comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. This is the PKD Black Box, Episode 72. Welcome back to the PKD Black Box. I'm your host, Sean Pryor. This week's episode, we conclude our favorite arcade and console video game talk with special guest Matt Burden, and then Donnie Salvo hops on in the show as he talks about some of his favorite video games and other random talk topics, because as you know, when Donnie and I get together to talk on something, tangents will happen. It is a necessary requirement. Um, I don't have a lot to say before this episode, except as always, thank you for listening to this podcast. Oh! Just so you know, starting in February, I'm going to add a couple of new segments to the podcast. I hope you enjoy them. I can't tell you what they are just yet, but they are in the process of being created for the show, specifically for the podcast. I hope you dig them. That's all I'm going to say right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Hope you dig it, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Peace. I'm going to talk about a game that I've tried to, uh, not tried to um, find out if other people like, because it's quite easy to find out if other people like it. You just ask them. But I've, I've, I've never found anyone else other than kind of the group of friends that I was kind of hanging out with at this time that um, that dug on it, uh, that liked it, or, or even knew about the game. It came out in um, 97 um, for the PlayStation 1, so for the first PlayStation machine. And I played this game a lot with a very good friend of mine uh, called Virgil. We, we were sort of uh, working together and hanging out at, at that time. We just found this game. It came in at Blockbuster. We didn't know anything about it. It came out from Squaresoft, and it's called Bushido Blade. When, you, when I've sort of subsequently in later life and in different jobs and, and wherever, if video games come up, I always bring up Bushido Blade and, and I've just never found anyone that knew about this game. So I'm going to throw it out there and, and I would love to know whether anyone does know about this or, or had played it because it was, it was just huge for me. It was a really good, really, really good game. So essentially it's a, it is a fighting game um, and I'll just kind of give you a brief rundown of what it says about it anyway. So Bushido Blade is a 3D fighting game developed by Lightweight and published by Square and Sony for the PlayStation. The game features one-on-one armed combat. Um, its name refers to the Japanese warrior code of honor, Bushido. Upon its release, the realistic fighting engine in Bushido Blade was seen as innovative, particularly the game's unique body damage system. A direct sequel, Bushido Blade 2, was released on the PlayStation a year later. Another game was released uh, with a related title and gameplay Kengo, Bushido, uh, Master of Bushido, was also developed by Lightweight for the PlayStation 2. The thing that really got me with this was it was very gory, but in, an, an, in a very realistic way that something like uh, Mortal Kombat wasn't. Like Mortal Kombat was very uh, stylized and exaggerated in its gore, and it really played up to kind of this gore fest of um, sensation, it's like sensationalized violence. Whereas Bushido Blade, it literally was a one on one sword play game where you could do things even like changing your stance 
in sort of these Japanese samurai stances where you'd um, you'd move your stance to start the round of fighting with the sword way above your head or down behind you or it, it and it was the, the backgrounds were beautiful as well. It was very kind of, uh, not Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but I can never remember the other one with the kind of green reeds, the other movie, whatever it's called. It, just all of the fighting kind of took place in these very serene rice fields or in a forest or in the snow. And it was kind of, you know, one-on-one. There was no music behind. It would literally just say fight and you would you would go for it. But the thing was, it was, it was 3D. So... The, the background, the backdrop, it was almost free roaming. So if you didn't particularly like or, you know, weren't doing well in the in the area that you were in, you could actually, if, if the situation allowed, turn from the person that you were fighting and run all the way across the field. Like you could run to the other side of the field and hide behind a tree. Or you could run and... Um, go up onto a shelf so if there was a raised area so it was quite interactive it was almost free roaming um and that changed the way that um that the game worked but one of the things that um that was was particularly unique was the kind of that was the body damage system that that they've said so with the body body damage system um opponents are able to physically disable each other in increments uh, with hits uh, from an equipped weapon slowing their attacking and running speed or crippling their legs forcing them to crawl so here we go. Notably, the North American release of Bushido Blade had one minor graphical change. Blood was added, replacing the yellow flash that appeared during a fatal blow. So it literally would be if you if you managed to get the swipe in, you could take out your opponent's legs, and then for the rest of the fight, that uh, that opponent would be dropped to one knee. Very realistically, um, I I loved this game, and not from any kind of. But then again, I suppose it's kind of just feeding whatever whatever kind of need that you have. But it was it was incredibly violent. But in a way, it was almost kind of strangely beautiful. It literally, it literally was one on one, a kind of feudal Japan, um, and you just had free roam of this area. And we I played it just endlessly. And um, it was one of those games that. Um, Myself and my mate um, Virgil at the time, we kind of got into just playing uh, video games together a lot. Everyone's got kind of that video game mate that you go around their house or whatever, you spend that summer holidays playing that particular game. And Bushido Blade was, was that one. But um, I'm not entirely sure kind of what the reason was. It, I mean, looking through kind of the Wikipedia pages and stuff, it seems to have been a huge hit in Japan. Um, just just absolutely massive. Um, if you Here we go. Bushido Blade was pre-sold in convenience stores in Japan prior to its release, similar to Square decision to pre-sell its hit Final Fantasy 7 in Lawson stores. Bushido Blade was the 25th best-selling game in 1997 in Japan, selling nearly 388,000 copies. In November 2000, Bushido Blade was voted uh, by the readers of Weekly Famitsu magazine as number 85 in its top 100 PlayStation games of all time. The game was later reprinted along with a handful of other Square Enix titles under developers' legendary hits game. The game was also added to the PS1's classics roster on the Japanese PlayStation Store in 2008. Um, but if, if, I mean, if you come across it on an emulator or somewhere um, or if you do have a PlayStation 1 or even still have a PlayStation 2 and you come across Bushido Blade at kind of a flea mart or car boot sale pick it up uh, it, it's a it's a great one have you ever have you ever come across Bushido Blade oh yeah I played Bushido Blade when, oh, that, cool. when, when that came out my one of my friends had it and I would play with him all the time I would play as either the Red Shadow or uh, Tatsumi yeah Tatsumi I think the thing that used to get me most about that game was 
I, I had a choice of weapons depending on who yeah. depending on what character I had I had a choice of weapons and I remember one. long sword katana sword it was great oh yeah a sledgehammer all types of stuff it was crazy and yeah and at that time that that game was innovative for its time especially for a console game so yeah we played Bushido Blade a lot so yeah, oh, no. that was a big deal that's cool see I've, I've found someone else you've, you've broken the cycle <laughs> someone else that has played Bushido Blade I'm glad yeah. I'm glad and there was like Japanese phrases that came up in, in the game like or the warriors would say things in Japanese and now I can't recall them but they were, they ended up kind of coming into your kind of friend's patter someone would you know there's a couple of lines from Tenchu and Metal Gear Solid and stuff that a couple of my mates always picked up on it. It just became almost like Star Wars dialogue. Um, and I seem to remember Bushido Blade being exactly the same. But um, yeah, it's, I'm glad that I found someone that, that um, has played that as well and doesn't mind chopping somebody's legs. Oh, no, not at all. From, I mean, like we used, to get, we used to get violent on that game. Oh, yeah. But to the point where they're literally crawling on their stomach <laughs> trying to wield you off. And I seem to remember you would roll over. Like, if you had no arms and legs left, you would just roll from left to right, <laughs> to right with, with your sword, trying to fend someone off while they try and kill you on a lovely beach. Yeah. <laughs> that game was ruthless. Oh, House of the Flying Daggers. That's what I'm thinking of. It's very much like there were so many levels that were of that kind of ilk. It was everything was, was just, it was always like. Um, very picturesque and, and snowing and serene and stuff while you went about this disgusting act of, of killing your opponent. That's cool. Well, speaking of fighting games, there were a couple of arcade fighting games in the 80s that I played a lot. They were like side-by-side at the, um, well, I don't know if this mall even, well, it still exists barely, but it's called the Town Mall in Middletown, Ohio. And the arcade used to be called Fun and Games. What happened was, long story short, I went to go put my quarter in to play Spy Hunter, and it took my quarter and wouldn't let me play. So I put another one in. It took my quarter and it wouldn't let me play. So I, I pushed on the, because like the coin slot had a little return function where if your quarter, if you didn't, if you put in a quarter and it yeah. didn't, um, and it didn't go, Push the big yellow button and it comes out. And it comes out. Well, it never came out. So I had to go to the manager's office, which when you're a kid, that's a big deal. Yeah. Because you see all these video game posters and all this other cool stuff and you hear music blaring and, you know, and they give you your quarters. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks. Whatever. And then I look and I see these two martial arts games side by side. And this is the 80s. So for its time, these were great games. One was by Data, Data East. The other was by, once again, Konami. By Konami, Yi Air Kung Fu. Yes. <laughs> and and by Flying Data headbutts to the face. <laughs> yes. And by Data East, Karate Champ. Now, we're going to start with Yi Air Kung Fu first, and I'll give Spectrum. The, I had it on the ZX Spectrum. This. Oh, I used to play this game like it was going out of style. Um, according to the arcade-museum.com, formerly known as the Killer List of Video Games, uh, the CLOV, um, Yi Air Kung Fu. A martial artist named, I'm sorry, a martial artist armed only with his fist and feet attacks opponents with powerful limbs and or weapons. Successful attacks deplete your opponent's life bars, enabling your character to progress onwards in the martial arts tournament. And it says the game has two different levels of martial arts contests. Each number of different stages, oh, each has a number of different stages where your character must face a different opponent. The first level is hot fighting history. And it is and is set inside of a cave. 
the level has five stages and the order of opponents is uh, Buku, Star, Anuncia, Pole, and Fetal. And the second level is hand, Master Hand History and it's set outside of a palace. The level has six stages and the opponents are respectively Chain, Club, Fan, Sword, Tonfan, and Blues. I could barely get through the first level yeah. with Buchu, Star, Nunsha, Pole, and Fetal. And the thing I used to love about the game was your hero character, he had like the blue the blue pants with like the red shoes and like the white and the white shirt, the wife beater shirt, and he always like be posed in like the snake like form and he had like brown hair. And anytime somebody got hit, whether it was you or someone else, um, or the opponent that got hit, there you see like a black mark would just pop on the screen, you know, noting that you hit that person right there. Oh, I used to love this game. Year Kung Fu was one of the first uh, games for the, gosh, how many, what was it? It, Not the 128K. It was the 48K, the ZX Spectrum 48K um, computer. So I got a um, a 48K ZX Spectrum from my uncle and uh, a series of, like, cassette tapes and, and... it was. I just sort of started to get into computer games, and this was amazing for me because I knew that friends at school had got them, even though the um, the kids with slightly more money or cooler parents had the Commodore 64. Um, no one had an Amstrad; they were outcasts. Um, but the, it was always like the Spectrum. The Spectrum guys were like the salt of the earth, and that, and I had this 48k Spectrum, so I thought pretty cool. And then happened upon Year Kung Fu in a newsagent, which is convenience store in the UK that just sells you know newspapers and magazines and uh, sweets and they had a, a rack of cassette tape games hanging behind the door so as you walk in and the bell goes if it slams behind you you'd hear the clatter of cassettes slamming against the door you turn around and that's where you would find all of the spectrum games and that was the first game that was the first game I ever bought for um for that computer and played it to death. I was rubbish at it. I was absolutely awful at it, but I just loved the idea of it. Um, and I think it was probably around that time that I'm a friend of mine. I mean, I must have been, I was, un, I was under the age of 10, definitely. Um, I literally just watched Enter the Dragon and was just obsessed with anything that even remotely resembled Bruce Lee's haircut or stance. And of course, front and center, you know, the characters in that game are, are, are all about that. Yeah, it was great. And it was, the, it was like the introduction of, of E. Honda's headbutt as well. Or Raiden doing his thing. Um, <laughs> I won't do it again. But yeah, it was it was brilliant. I loved Yerk. Much like as far as the graphics go, there's not much to it. I mean, you know who all the different characters are when you see them. And yeah, it's kind of unfair that other people have weapons and you don't. <laughs> but I just really like playing it. It's just one of those games where, you know, because your character's name, I think, yeah, is Oolong. That's the only character you can play. You can't play as anybody else in the game. You can only play as Oolong. And you just, you know, have to avoid, you know, the weapon attacks from the from your opponents and uh, just try to whoop as much ass as possible. Now, the other game was Karate Champ, and this was by Data East. Now, Karate Champ came out a year, I think like a year before Year Kung Fu did. And Karate Champ was pretty simple. There was there were two versions of it. There was like a one-player version, and there was a player-versus-player player version, so you could have two people play. And it was set up like, you know, like you were watching, like, say, for instance, the Karate Kid, where there would be a point system. You know, when you attack somebody, you hit somebody, you get a point. Punch them in the face, they fall, point. Or kick them in the knee, or, you know, jump kick them, point. And then there, and there's a timer. And the funny thing is, is that you'd have a guy in a white, you know, gi, 
and then you'd have a guy in a red gi. And you would have this dude in a blue shirt with like this jacked up mustache and funny hair walk into the middle of the screen and he walk up to you and say, begin. And then, then like, you know, you slowly walk over because, you know, they couldn't move real fast. And then like, you know, try to kick and like all the kicks were slow. The punches were slow. But if you connected, you connected. And in the middle and like after like a certain amount of ra- a certain amount of rounds of fighting, you would have these practice sessions where you could round kick or like you know kick pots and pans i think and it was i think there was also like a demo where you could like split wooden boards with one kick or or uh, try to knock out um up to three separate charging bulls with a single puncher kick and i always <laughs> failed on those too but i just remember playing this game and loving it and i remember it came over to the nintendo entertainment system and it it literally was a direct port because oh, cool. Because there wasn't much to the Data East game that was made in 1984, the technology for the NES could copy that easily, and you know, and actually, it could surpass it if it wanted to, but it didn't have to. Yeah, I used to play karate, karate champ, year kung fu, nonstop. Now, did karate, karate champ, the game featured in one of our guilty pleasures? Is it Bloodsport? Yes, yes, it did. Yes, you do see a version. You do see like a one-on-one version of Karate Champ. Um, in Bloodsport, in the it's background. played with two controls. Contro- they're playing with two joysticks at the same time, though, and I'd never seen that machine because mm-hmm. you you literally see them. Play, yeah, and it, so was it played with two controllers? Yeah, or a control- yeah. You used you used two controllers. Like if you play a two player version, there would be four controllers. But the way it worked was that one controller let the player move from like you know left to right, and the other controller allows you to punch or kick. <laughs> But in your experience in playing the game, were you ever approached by an enormous boss-eyed man um, that that introduced himself as Jackson and said, hey, you're pretty good? Um, (laughs) No. Those are my two karate games I used to play the living daylights out of before, like, you know, I got to the real games like Shinobi and um, started messing with ninjas. Ninja stars to to the isolates. Yes. I'll break up the violence, which is difficult because most of this, like I've got this list here, and most of them are extremely violent. So I'm going to put Road Rash in the bin, uh, <laughs> hitting people with baseball bats. Um, you've you've already kind of touched on it, so I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and talk about Star Fox, which which involved the use of the Super FX chip the legendary FX chip for the Super Nintendo, which again was apparently some, you know, like this revolutionary um, kind of piece of technology. But I, I think probably made more kind of famous in, in later iterations by, you know, get, kind of getting it on the N64, which, you know, you could play that kind of four-player GoldenEye style battle mode. But um, even though, like, if you look at it now, it's super triangular, everything's very angular with Star Fox. It, it was very Star Wars trench run esque. Everything was very kind of um, geared up to be these kind of dogfights in space. And you hardly ever saw the main character, it was just in cut scenes. So you had this kind of fox and this rabbit and frog. But super cool. I mean, it, it included this um, super FX chip um, or um, coprocessor, which used um, kind of like accelerated graphics display. So it basically became, it was a 3D, they were 3D polygon graphics. And the only way to do it was to kind of use this FX chip. Um, so it was like this um, complex display of all these three dimensional models with polygons. 
um, which weren't around at that time. So it was, it, it was, it, yeah, it was another one, you know, similar to Donkey Kong Country. It, nothing had looked uh, it's kind of 3D-ish as this before. Um, but super strong, you know, cast of characters. You had Fox McCloud, who was like the leader of Star Fox team. His homeworld, uh, Cornea, um, was they, you had to defend it against um, the forces of um, Andros, who were the, who were the baddies. But uh, you know, we've seen this kind of thing even even pre Star Fox. We've seen it before. It's it's kind of this age old thing of starfighters versus random asteroids and or enemy fighters. But Star Fox, as a game, kind of again. That the, the kind of mid '90s was constantly breaking these new boundaries of how far kind of 3D animation could go, and 3D graphics could go, and how smooth you were used to seeing some something move, and and it was, it was just kind of, that you were just on the boundaries of the, of that next generation, and and kind of you were redefining the term next generation constantly with kind of what you were seeing. So, Star Fox is 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 a great game for me, but I would say probably more for me on the N64 simply because of that kind of split four-player game GoldenEye experience of of just doing those all-out dogfights and again uh, cussing each other out and and being particularly. In your face to um, to friends that are that, <laughs> that weren't particularly good, but um, yeah, it was fun. It, it was it was the closest you were going to get ahead of like Rogue Squadron to being in an X Wing, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. It, I, I used to play that game all the time with my friends. I used to play like you know Star Fox all the time with my friends, and even though I sucked at it, didn't care. I, I just mm. loved playing it. I was, just always thought it was fun, and I mean. I, I, I always thought that Star... You know, I really thought Star Fox was going to actually be the the big, big thing. I mean, it yeah. was a big thing, but when you talk about, like, a lot of the Nintendo heavy hitters, Star Fox is normally an afterthought. Yeah. And I always thought that Star Fox was always going to be, like, the thing. No matter, you know, from generation to generation, from console to console, it was going to be the big gun. And... And I, you know, maybe it, maybe it is. I mean, in my eyes, it isn't. But it's all, but it's, it's always like there for me. But it's, but for like other people, when they talk about Nintendo games, some of my friends don't even mention Star Fox. So I think it's, uh, but I think it's primarily down to kind of my point about the characters being visible. Um, if you, I mean, if you look at Star Fox, really, aside from the racing aspect of it, it is no different from, say, like battle mode on Mario Kart. Mm-hmm. But if you play the, the balloon mode on Mario Kart, you can see the person that you are and, and the the character that you choose, its characteristics build into the game. Um, you know, you choose Toad, you're going to be lighter. You choose Cooper, you're going to be heavier. And you can actually see the character drive the car. And as, as trivial as it sounds, Star Fox, you literally are just choosing a different... Um, combination of triangles almost when you actually visually when you actually look at those fighters it's um well i like this character but when i'm playing it on the screen all i can see is this kind of plane so it really is just i think you know what draws people to the game it is it's a spaceship game mm-hmm. you know yeah um so character wise like when you play super smash brothers melee or brawl um, on the Wii, I'm playing with Joe. He knows who Pikachu is. He knows who Mario and Luigi are. He knows who Princess Peach is and Cooper. But he, do, you know, there's no reason for him to know who um, Fox McCloud is. You know, there's right. no iteration of that game current and relevant to him now. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was kind of for those in the know. It was again, it was for me anyway. It was the kind of Golden Eye crowd. 
it was one of those ones that you would again you'd go you'd travel to someone's house to play and you'd bring a console with you and you'd have three other friends and or, or five other friends and you'd play winner stays on <laughs> that's always a good one um but yeah I, I suppose that harkens back to memories of, of again probably kind of college days where it was get a pizza get a bunch of people together and just play for hours and argue and have fun um and and you know remember it all for the next time because the next time you play it'll be oh do you remember yeah yeah you know you you have as sad as a so, like so many people that weren't into gaming to listen to these conversations must just perceive these to be the most sad and trivial things that they were they were so much fun they were so cool there was there was a real sense of kind of camaraderie and, and banter amongst kind of game players um, and then you know exchanging tips and advice and cheats and codes and I mean that was really the days of, of heavy cheats mm-hmm. um, people passing cheats to people in class and stuff like that oh, I just found this in the back of a magazine what is it oh you can get your you can get your turbo stars up to maximum on Street Fighter 2 Turbo <laughs> and and you know it's done because it makes a noise you know it, it good times really 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 good times but Star Fox Fox was in amongst all of that Speaking of, you just mentioned a fighter game. You mentioned uh, Super Street mm-hmm. Fighter. Um, I wasn't big on Street Fighter until like it got to the console. So that's when I started to play Street Fighter. I never really played Street Fighter in the arcade. Well, we can combine one right now. So, but, <laughs> but, um, I never really played it much in the arcade. But I would play all the other Capcom fighting games in the arcade. Like you know, I, which didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I would play all the other ones, but I wouldn't play. Street Fighter in in the arcade. It was it was bizarre. I think it was maybe just because I was so used to the controls for the Sega, but um, right. but uh, but but going on fighting games. The fighting game the fighting game that I wanted to talk about was Tekken. The the ultimate button. It's the ultimate button basher. Yes. If you're, if you're rubbish at fighting games, you can be good at Tekken. Yes. <laughs> yes. And um and I was that player for at least a good two years, and I, I couldn't help it. And like Tekken was my game. Like when that came out, I didn't want to play Mortal Kombat. I wanted to play Tekken. And um, oh, what was that one character? Yoshimitsu. That was my dude because he would like sit over the hat. Yeah, with the hat, he would just like sit with a sword and spin in a circle. And um, and there was Paul. And there was the dude that cracks me up. You've got all of these elaborate names, and then there's a guy called Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was just dumb. I'm like, kidding name Ken, something else. Ryu, Yoshimitsu, and Nigel. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm trying to remember the guy that had the um, he had like the the uh, tiger mask. I can't remember his name for the life of me right now. But I used to play Tekken nonstop. Now, if you look at the original Tekken, like at the arcade, I look at it now. I'm like, well, for its time, if you're playing, if you were playing it, it was it was the shit. But you look at it now, it's really weak 3D. Especially like if you're playing with Paul, because his like his blonde flat top looked awful compared to like Guile's animated flat top yeah. from Street Fighter. But like I would play with like uh, Kazuya, uh, Nina, King. That was the lion's name. It was yeah, King. The wrestler. He was a wrestler. Yeah. Um, he would pull off a suplex as well. Yes, and there was also I think like P Jack, and um, and a couple other ones. I used to, used to play this game nonstop in the arcade, and then when it came to PlayStation. I didn't have to play it in the arcade anymore, and I actually had more fun playing it, you know, on the PlayStation because we play with friends and we have tournaments. So, mm. 
and 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 plus with the control uh, the control pads with um with PlayStation it lent itself even more to kind of the button bashing pushing two buttons at the same time with your two with two fingers it it became that game where it was it was um as as ridiculous and sexist as it sounds it always became that game where girls played it too mm-hmm. and and usually it would embarrass the guys because we'd always get beaten um but it was it it was that ultimate game that it was a little bit of a kind of a, a gateway game um, almost where it was a beat-em-up where you didn't need to know a hundred combinations to be able to pull off a move and you didn't need to get blisters on your left thumb to you know to be able to to pull off stuff you could actually you know you could you could be a decent player without without necessarily having to read a copy of computer and video games or mean machines or or whatever you know tips magazines were doing the rounds at the time but the the competition at that time was completely flawed because sega had brought out virtua fighter which looked awful in comparison yes but you played it though you I- oh, oh absolutely and again you you turned around that you, you you could step back into the background and turn 360 degrees couldn't you it was um it was a weird one it, it was more blocky but it almost looked more rendered I, yeah. I don't know there was a there was something about virtua fighter but i always preferred tekken but see like i but see like with virtual fighter it really got better with the sequel because yeah. virtual virtual fighter 2 yeah it was still like blocky but it was 3d but like they smoothed it out and so the characters didn't look so like loud whereas the colors yeah. a little bit more muted in virtual fighter 2 and it's smoothed out and it's a lot more polished and virtual fighter 2 was so much better than the first one and then they even had like virtual fighter 2.1 and i want to say that they also had like virtual fighter 3 then they had like a team battle I mean, this game, now Virtual, Fighter, Virtual Fighter 3 was awesome. I love number three. But, like, that went all the way to, like, I want to say, like, Virtual Fighter 5. And, like, they literally ran Virtual Fighter games from, like, 93 to, like, 2006. Wow. So, I mean, seriously, I mean, there was even, like, in 96, there was a Virtual Fighter Kids. <laughs> Whereas, like, kid-like versions of, like, uh, the Virtual Fighter characters. I mean, that's how popular that game got and that was like sega's big fighter you know big fighter game i mean like that yeah. was competing with the mortal Kombat's. like tekken was competing with the mortal Kombat's, and that was the, that was the fighting era you know everybody had a fighting game everybody had a fighting game during that time i mean hell even atari had one with pit fighter oh god yeah i mean they, they're taking photorealism to a new era i mean that was the greg land of fighting games it was uh, <laughs> It, it was it was really bad, but um, you know, ladies in stockings with high heels stomping on faces. Everyone's. <laughs> it was. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Yeah. But fa- that you're right. Actually, there was a real era of fighting games, wasn't there? Yeah. It was. Um, it became. It became a real staple of the arcade. Whereas before, it was kind of. Um, these uh, these arcade games that you pump quarters into to see if you could defeat some galactic catastrophe. It suddenly just became these games of one-on-one and mastering your moves and the word combo I don't think had come in until that time and that was all you heard how many hits you could pull off or, or, or this string of moves that you could pull together it really yeah it was a it was an era of a yeah, and it's just, I mean in this in, in England anyway like I said with like football games you're either a FIFA guy or you're a pro evolution soccer guy mm-hmm. and with fighting games it was always you're either a street fighter guy or a Mortal Kombat guy it was it, for me, I think for most people anyway it was more it was as soon as PS2 hit it suddenly became you're either a Tekken guy or a Soul Calibur guy 
Oh, that was where that that kind of changed. Soul Calibur. See, that's another one. I, you know, I mean, yeah. there were so many, and we just we, we went through these phases. We went through, like you know, your your your, your galaxy shoot 'em up games to your you know fighting games to sports games to gun games gun those, games i yeah. mean you, it was like phase after phase after phase and it was like the, the video game market was its own hollywood and whoever had the hot hand either you know either everybody else would copy and do, or do something even better or somebody would say you know what go ahead and do that we're going to start something else and we'll start a new wave of video games and it constantly was like that for a good 20 years Mm. Now that's not really the case because it's just all console based, and now everybody's fighting the console wars. I mean, spending movie budgets to make video games, and it, yeah, it, 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 I mean the first person shoots them up, so a lead in the way. I think as far as as far as reasons to buy consoles, it seems to me anyway that kind of chatter around offices and stuff. It's like, do you have an Xbox? Yes. Oh, you clearly have Call of Duty. Then what's your gamer tag? Fine. You know, you're ready to go. Um, that that seems to to be what goes hand in hand with with consoles at the moment. But that um, it was a it kind of being at school during the beat 'em up phase. It was quite. It was very. I mean, you're like you, you sort of talked about experiences of putting quarters on arcade machines and kind of saying, "Oh, I, I'm next," or "Can I join in?" The beat 'em up phase actually made that almost more intimidating, because usually, and. I mean, no offense by it. There'd usually be a Chinese kid in front of a Street Fighter 2 machine on all the time and no one else could touch him. Uh, <laughs> it would just be... <laughs> it, it became... If you were king of the arcade, you had to be king of, you know, Street Fighter 2. Um, yeah. Do you know, do you know what? For, for the next one, I'm just going to combine... I mean, we've, we've really... We've, prob- we've, took, we've referenced Street Fighter throughout this whole thing, so I think I'm probably going to skip over Street Fighter. However... Again, Konami or Konomi released their own version of a game that used the same control mechanism as Street Fighter. I guess, yeah, now back in '94, and combined another game, uh, the Turtles, and released Tournament Fighters. So, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Tournament Fighters was essentially Street Fighter Two Turbo, using the cast of characters from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, franchise, and. This was my equivalent of you happening upon that GI Joe machine. Yes. Um, it it combined my two favourite things at that time, which was the Turtles um, and and the Street Fighter games. Which so I it was it was it was so much fun to find a game that was new and fresh, but you were already prepared for. You'd already been trained for it. You can't. You had the control set. It was just, is this Guile's moves or is this Ryu's moves? Cool. It's a charge-based character. I, I know I can hold back for two seconds, push forward and fire, and I'm going to produce something like a sonic boom, but it's using a character from the, the Turtles franchise. So, so so cool so much fun um the backgrounds were interactive um in not interactive in in kind of now you know d- destructible or whatever but there was stuff going on in the background similar to the, the street fighter games but in the the teenage mutant ninja turtle um you know universe just awesome you know who, who doesn't want to play a game where you can do you know a tiger uppercut but with uh, Leonardo and a katana sword. It's it's it, it was just awesome. It it was great. Um, I it, any any kind of healing that the thumb on my left hand had done from maybe taking a break from Street Fighter Two back in the day. Suddenly the blisters were back again because I was pulling off 
dragon punches and uh, spinning bird kicks and goodness knows what but with these characters from from the turtle franchise the graphics were smooth it's a good looking game if you've if you haven't you know again if you haven't you know found it um or haven't or didn't realize that this game exist existed check it out on youtube and you guarantee you're going to want to um, try and pick up a super nintendo on the cheap because it was so much fun you know what was the card again turtles tournament fighters oh okay 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 you see yeah i, I never got to play that no <gasps> dude seriously i'm serious i never got to play that yeah oh my god Sean, do yourself a favor, track it. It's dangerous, though, because if you do track it down on YouTube, chances are you'll try and pick up a cheap Super Nintendo. Um, <laughs> we we got a, a store down the street from us that um, they sell these uh, systems. Like, this third-party company makes, like, a system that plays Nintendo and Super Nintendo games. Yeah. And they have a system that plays, like, Sega Genesis and Sega Master games. Um, Sega Master System, Sega Genesis, and Sega Master System games. Mm. It's and it works pretty much every game except a couple. But I rather just probably just end up buying a refurb SNES or a Nintendo rather than this mod system. But uh, I'm I'm telling you, I'm expecting a tweet from you at some point in the next you know six months to say, dude, you were so. But it, 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 it was just awesome, absolutely awesome. It had a, a re, it had a very final fight style uh, one player mode, um, where it was it was t- it was proper Street Fighter matches, but like the cutscenes were really good. It was always you're working towards saving April. Um, you could be it, it, final bosses were like Kang um, and the, the two mutant henchmen um, you could be like Casey Jones everyone was playable but everyone had a move set from the Street Fighter games it, it was awesome absolutely I, mean, I guarantee you if you see YouTube footage of it you're going to want to play it it's um, it was a, it was a great game I'm going to combine. I'm going to combine two because these are both superhero related. One was by Data East. One was by one was by uh, Sega. The game by Data East was a Marvel Comics game called Captain America and the Avengers. Have you ever played this, sir? I have not, Sean. Uh, once again, we have a four. We have a four player. Con, we have a four player arcade game. And Data East wanted to get in on that money that Konami was making on Turtles and X-Men, which the, the, the Konami X-Men arcade game is one of the greatest arcade games of all time. It's built on that same engine as the Turtles game. If you've never played it, I know it's on, it should be on Xbox Live Arcade because you get to play a Cyclops, Wolverine, Colossus. I've the, yeah, I've played the, Xbox, the, the X-Men game. Oh. That's a good that that's that's an all time great. If they would they, they would put the turtle game and the X Men game side by side, played them nonstop, nonstop. I have the X Men one on my Xbox right now. Oh yeah, oh, I love that game. Well, that's because I I don't know I I don't know why that wasn't on my list. So I'll put X Men with the Captain America and the Avengers. Okay, uh, Captain America and the Avengers. What it was is you could play as Captain America, Iron Man, Vision, or Hawkeye, and you would battle against uh, the Red Skull, Claw, Living Laser, Whirlwind. Grim Reaper, the Wizard, the Controllers, uh, the Mandarin, and the Juggernaut, Ultron, and Crossbones. Each player has like their own weapons. Like Cap's got his shield, and it's funny. Like when you throw a shield on certain levels, if you throw it, you hit somebody, it comes back. 
but on other levels you just keep tapping it and like it literally like fires like it's a gun you know what i mean you see these shields just keep firing um hawkeye's got hawkeye's got his bow and arrows iron man's so got it's his, like the crawl game yes it's like the crawl game yes um hawkeye has his bows and arrows the, the vision i can't remember what his powers were but um and iron man's guys repulsor 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 rays vision had a solar beam okay what i used to love about this game was that in the middle of the game additional superheroes could come in and assist you real quick and help you out it's like quicksilver submariner wonder man and wasp that could come in certain parts of the game and assist and they and they can help you on a level real quick but the one thing i remember about the game the most there was this one level where like cap is like on one of these like little mini mini avenger cycles it's like a little mini jet cycle and he's on it and he's fighting a character that for some reason is listed as a giant robot it's completely it's a sentinel no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a sentinel. And Cap is just like firing. You just like, you, you, you keep pressing the fire button. He's just like slinging the shields, trying to like get uh, the, the uh, sentinel's power meter down to zero. And the sentinel will like fire this power beam from his chest. And you got to get out of its way and keep boom, 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 boom. Keep trying to hit the uh, sentinel in the face um, with your shield. Dude, this is another quarter eater. And I just remember when I got this for the, for the Nintendo Entertainment System, I thought it was going to be a direct port. And I was so, so mistaken. It was awful. The NES version of this was nothing like the arcade version, and I was so disappointed. And I kept telling myself it was going to get better, and it just sucked. Hard. <laughs> Hard. So We've all felt it. We've all felt it. You know, And that's why I'm so glad that that X-Men arcade game never came out for the NES because that would have been the ultimate disappointment because that can't be topped it wouldn't have coped with it i mean you just wouldn't have got you just wouldn't have got the same thing it, it really takes something like what we've got now to kind of cope with the uh the depth perception and and, and i mean multiple characters on the screen at the same time it, it, it would have crashed yes. just wouldn't have coped with it i just remember um cyclops's beam going all the way across the screen and not just stopping halfway you know it was it was a. Uh, yeah, it was a cool game. But you're right, again, it was one of those bright, big, bold console machines with four joysticks and what the characters kind of emblazoned on that like desk area that you play on. So, yeah, good times. Okay, I was going to talk about a game for the Super Nintendo um, called Zombies Ate My Neighbors, but um, I've literally just found it was only available in uh, Europe and Australia. So I'm literally just going to say to um, everyone, research Zombies Ate My Neighbors and look up the YouTube videos for that on the Super Nintendo and the Genesis, because <laughs> it was fantastic, which involved children walking through their gardens, killing zombies and jumping on trampolines to jump over their, na- their neighbors' hedges to solve puzzles. So it was kind of Shaun of the Dead, the game way before it's time so I'm not going to talk about that but track it down anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to talk about Wrestlemania 2000 for the uh, Nintendo 64 this was this went hand in hand with another wrestling game uh, called uh, WCW versus NWO Revenge which came out mid 90s during what I consider to be the most creative time of pro wrestling ever uh, when two companies were literally pitted against each other um, and just pushing each other to the brink to be as you know creative as, as they could and, and sometimes to their own detriment and uh, the computer games were no different they they were amazing you, you had 
a great machine in the Nintendo 64, the capability to be multiplayer, so four players. Um, and for the first time in a, in a wrestling game, you can actually get people in the ring doing moves in all angles so like suplexes were diagonally from the centre of the ring to the corner post and you could rather than everything be two dimensional and running from left to right and not having a lot of control everything had this depth of field it, um, and again everything was well rounded and you had complete control you had create your own wrestler mode it was the first kind of time that you could uh build a wrestler from scratch, personalize it, give it a move set, give it entrance music. Um, and for the record, uh, my my character was pale of complexion, had a moustache. Uh, his name was Matt Mod, or Double M for short, and came into Chris Jericho's Bring the Walls Down music. Yes, it was Double M. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his finisher was a sharpshooter. Um, it, it, it just, uh, just such a changeable game. Um, and again, it was eight-hour-long sessions with people. You could do Royal Rumbles. You could do hardcore matches. That was unlike the WCW NWO Revenge uh, game. But when WrestleMania 2000 came out, it was at the peak of the Hardy, the Hardy Boys, and uh, sorry, the, the Hardy Brothers, um, Jeff and Matt and. Uh, uh, Edge and Christian and the Dudley boys doing TLC matches so it kind of stepped it up and um, became even more kind of team extreme I'd like to, well I suppose that kind of stuff has kind of toned back and there are some people in, in the industry that are renowned for doing that stuff now but it was so much more prominent then and it, and it was so risk taking and, and I think in hindsight a lot of those people look back on that time not quite as fondly as the fans but as far as a video game was concerned WrestleMania in 2000, without a doubt, for me is that is the, the best wrestling game um, ever. It's um, it was it was changeable. It was it you could you could exit the ring, uh, grab a set of ring steps, toss them into the ring, mm-hmm. go back out of the ring, grab a chair, pile the chair on top of the ring steps, go out of the ring, grab a ladder, put the ladder on top of the chair, then go to the opposite side of the ring, grab another set of steps, and pile them on. Get somebody in the corner bring them up to the top turnbuckle and suplex them off the third rope onto the pile of stuff that you just created. Granted, graphically, you're not killing anyone, but it felt great. Um, (laughs) It was the most kind of free-roaming wrestling game experience I'd certainly ever had. Um, And hours were spent on on kind of honing this this character that I'd used, that I I would go on and use. There was a sequel that came out um, a few years later called No Mercy. um, And famously in the UK anyway, there was a glitch on it where you couldn't save your progress. So for a lot of people who bought kind of the first generation of that cartridge, the the one-player progress on that game just became null and void. And um, it, it, that then became, you know, like the multiplayer one. You know, there were more. It was the, the graphics were slightly sharper. But um, WrestleMania 2000 is uh, it, uh, is uh, for me anyway the, the the best wrestling game ever. Even like now with um, SmackDown versus Raw and WWE. Oh, you know, 2012 that's just recently come out. As gorgeous as all those graphics are, um, the load time is is for shit. And it, it <laughs> for me just can't can't it'd be how new and fresh that that original cartridge felt and and again the n64 was responsible for so many great multiplayer sessions and so many great gatherings it it was just a good it was for me that's where it was one up on the playstation the playstation was a good machine graphically sound but the n64 coaxed 
gatherings of people right. um, and, and, and the, the products that they put out and the games that they put out for that machine just so many so many good times had and, and so many friendships broken and smashed by that console um, <laughs> it was a good game well see really- that was, but that was the point of the N64. The point of the N64 was to get people together to play games, to get people so enticed by that game, to them, for them to eventually get their own game system so they can have their own parties. Mm. That, you know, honestly, that was the only purpose of it. Because the thing is, like you talk about WrestleMania 2000, my a group of my friends had a wrestling league because of wrestling WrestleMania 2000. Yeah, you, I mean, you know what I mean, and you don't have that unless this game is made. You don't have, like, the Mario Kart Racing Leagues. You don't have the GoldenEye get-togethers. You don't have all this other stuff if you don't have, like, the N64 system. And as much as I enjoy the PlayStation, yeah, we have friends over and, like, play games and stuff, but it was different. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it was different. Like, the only, the only wrestling game I remember, there was a friend of mine had a PlayStation 1, and he bought an imported PlayStation game that couldn't play on a PS1, but you could trick your PS1 into playing it if you took a twisty tie and you and you put it into like this slot, this little slot in your inside the PS1, put the game in and slowly close the lid and it I would it, and it would trick the PS1 into playing import games. Or and turn it, it upside down. Yes. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. And this was like a it was a Japanese wrestling game. Was it Fire Pro Wrestling by any chance? I think it was. Don't tell anyone, but that stand that those initials are quite um, relevant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but seriously, we used to play that all the time, and like we didn't know who these wrestlers were, but you know we're just like, okay, let's just see who's tough and who's not tough, and you, you know, could spit you could spit green goo in people's faces in that game. Sure could, and yeah. um, you could also break somebody's arm too. Mm. So yeah, we used to play that nonstop. You couldn't do like a league from that though. Like with WrestleMania 2000, like you say, you create wrestlers and just have fun and do whatever. I mean, all types of craziness. And I just thought that was a great game. It was. There was nothing like it. I mean, the control kind of mechanism on that game. Um, the controls were super easy to master, um, and the and um, special moves as well. Like at that time when wrestling was at its absolute peak of popularity it was a stone cold rock era it was it was goldberg it was it was kind of it was i suppose the decline of sorry you know i'm completely wrong there it's the, it was the decline of, of wcw and it was wwf at that time at its absolute peak um and it was um you knew who the wrestlers were and you knew their moves you knew their special moves and it was when you know finishing moves still kind of meant something um and you would work throughout the entire match to get that finisher but the great thing with this game was that there was you'd get to the point where you could trigger that finisher and your gauge is flashing and you could either trigger the finisher or you could push another button to steal your opponent's finisher so if you were rock you could do a stone cold stunner on stone cold steve austin and that always meant so much more for some reason um it are oh, just just an awesome awesome game My whole thing with video games now too is is that I can only play them for like a small period of time and then I have to like pull away on purpose because if I don't it's um it's just like my eyes start to hurt. So I can only play oh, wow. for like a little while. I mean like like in like an hour, you know, mm-hmm. and then like I can just watch, but if I'm trying to like if I start playing and start really focusing hard, like it kinda hurts. But um but no. My last game I was gonna talk about 
uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs by Capcom because that was the craziest uh, platform scrolling fighter shoot 'em up. It's just strangest game I ever seen, uh, based off based off the Xenozoic Tales and the uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs cartoon. It's by Capcom, but um, not going to talk about that. Um, had other- I want to see that movie though. That's that sounds insane. Yeah, it had a, car- it had a cartoon back in the uh, back in the early '90s and a toy line too. Um, I yeah. should look that up. Yep, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs. And so, like all these other games, like uh, Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, Punch Out, Paperboy, Xevious, Te- the original Tecmo Bowl, Tapper, um, all got pushed to the curb. So I could talk about Atari's Return of the Jedi. This was the this was the um, arcade game for me in 1984. This is what happened. There used to be these um, this used to be this video game spot called Malibu, and Malibu not only could you play arcade you know video games, but they also had like a racetrack and adults could drive like you know these like they kind of look like Indy One cars but they weren't but they're also like kids cars that kids could drive around this track and they would time your run and if you know, sometimes if you like beat somebody's best run you would get like free rides or free tokens or whatever and they used to do this thing at Malibu where for certain arcade games they would have a sign over it and it says if you can top this high score you get to take this game home and it would be on certain games from time to time well one day we're in Malibu and like I said with the G.I. Joe Discovery I walk in, I got a few, I got some money, and I'm just looking around, and I stop, and I see a Return of the Jedi video game, and like, I freak out. I'm like, what's this? So I just like let it run, because you know, it'll show, it'll show you clips from the game, so you can see whether you're interested in it or not, and, and I'm like, oh, I gotta play this. So I put my quarter in, and you get like, you know, for one quarter or one token, you get three lives. And the game starts, and you see, like, uh, the shuttle Tidarium trying to go to uh, Endor, and you hear, um, you know, Darth Vader say something, and in that mono MIDI computer voice, because you know it's using all MIDI music, M-I-D-I, because, you know, this is the 80s. We don't have that technology for uh, major soundtracks on CD yet. The beginning of the game, you start in Endor, and you're on a speeder bike, and you're running through Endor, shooting shooting down the bad guys, like uh, the... Um, the, the troopers, stormtroopers, or the biker scouts on their speeder bikes, and you get to the end of the stage, and you're greeted by Ewoks and C-3PO, and then you go to a stage where you're in the Millennium Falcon, and you're inside the Death Star, trying to fight off TIE fighters, and uh, and you're trying to blow up the reactor in the Death Star, and then get out of the Death Star, right? Okay, you do that, you're done. Then, But then it gets better. Then the second round, you have to do the speeder bike thing again, but then it's followed up by you have to be Chewbacca inside the little uh, AT, uh, ATST Scout Walker through Endor and like you know try to blow up uh, logs and shoot stormtroopers and get from point A to point B. Then, what what kind of view is this though? Oh no, it's, it's like remember like Zaxxon how I told you it was like that tilted that tilted um, scrolling view. That's how this game is played in a, yeah, t- in a tilted. So it's scrolling. kind of like not like so it's like so it's not like a two D side view. It's kind of slightly raised up and it's almost diagonal looking down. Yes, you are absolutely correct. Yes, and so you do that, and you because like when you when the ad at gets to because uh, it gets to that uh, control that control tower um, that needs to be blown up to take the shield off the Death Star, right? So it does that. And then the third round of the game, you do the speeder bike thing again, but this time it's different. You go into this split mode 
okay? You'll be on the speeder bike for like 15, 20 seconds doing stuff, and then it will cut to outer space where you're the Millennium Falcon and you've got like an X-Wing fighter on one side, another X-Wing fighter on the other side, and you're out in outer space like, you know, blowing up TIE fighters and like trying to destroy Star Destroyers. And it switches back and forth between indoor and outer space like every few seconds. And it, it, was, it was crazy. Um, and I just kept playing this until... I was done until it was done. And like when I got to that last round and it was done, it was over. I'm like, wait a minute. I still got three lives left. Damn it. Let me keep playing. <laughs> and it, it, it wouldn't let me play anymore. But did you get like a cut scene or did they, did it show you like Billy D Williams dancing with the Ewoks or what did it, what did it do? No, no, this was 1984. This was Atari. Uh, you got what you got. <laughs> so no, 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 no. I was going to say like um, with, with early, uh, not early arcade games, but kind of mid '80s arcade games. You know, what were the the so-called rewards? Because it was always like the legend of the school ground of kind of um, oh, so and so completed this game. Oh, what happens at the end? And then it would always be for like for me anyway. Like I was talking to um, I was talking to Taylor uh, Pithers earlier today about about console games because uh, you know we talk you know pretty much every week and I said that we were going to do this tonight um, and we were talking about Street Fighter and um, like the rewards at the end of of those characters and I must have seen Ken get married about 200 times mm-hmm. and and, uh, and he, he pointed out that he was a Ryu guy and he said he must have seen Ryu walk off into the distance with a very tightly packed bag about 200 times <laughs> <laughs> impeccably packed bag and I did make the point that I'm sure Guile helped him pack that bag because it's very military stuff um, but but it's like something like Return of the Jedi what was it just titles rolling at the end or did you get a, like a tiny little bit of animation or no, no, did it no. just say well done gamer no no basically it would like play like a midi ver- like a midi version of the Yub Yub song and like you get some scrolling credits of people that worked on the game and that's it oh god well, at least it wasn't the you know the new version of the end of Return of the Jedi. No, 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 no. At least it was Bijara, Bijara, Lola. That's good. <laughs> I'm glad about that. I'm glad about that. See that, but that still doesn't beat my um my picture of you in my head of of, of happening upon the GI Joe game. I still think that would be the day that you fall to your knees and go, "There is a God." <laughs> yeah, because uh, I I thought that would be the last game that would ever get made it was a GI Joe game, yeah. and I was just like, "Wow." And you know, just like okay, I must play now. I must play. So, other children in the arcade, be gone with you. I must. I need alone time with this machine. Did they ever do an A team game? I never saw one. Never ever saw one. Actually, I'm going to look right now. Oh. We're wikiing. Let's see here. There was, wow, there was an Atari 2600 game of the A-Team, which was pretty shitty. Um, <laughs> it basically consisted of you playing as B.A. Baracus's head. You would, okay. sh- you would shoot at enemies either above or below you as you move right or left. When you died, the A-Team theme would play. Oh, see, who hasn't wanted to be B.A. Baracus's head shooting people? Um, I'm looking at a uh, a clip on YouTube right now of the A-Team game. And it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty shitty, dude. Um, uh, I have no... So that, that wasn't an official review. 
No, it, it, it's no, <laughs> pretty shitty. It's just pretty fucking shitty. Um, I have no idea what this is. I might have to. I might have to put a link on our yeah. page, our episode, our episode page for this because. I don't know what the fuck this is. I mean, is it just going? Because the thing is, if I open up YouTube now, with the, the UK will ban me from uh, from talking to you for for a while because we'll always lose Skype connection. So I'm not going to do that now. I'm not going to you know drop yeah. the Skype call. Like, but is it literally just like a Pez head of Bo Barocca shooting at people? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm not lying. You, you need to send that to Donnie immediately. I mean, it makes no sense. I'm serious, dude. It makes no sense. Like, if you go to YouTube and type worst Atari games, space, dash, the A-team, I, I, I don't know what this is. I don't know what this means. And I, I, I really, I mean, I, honestly, I don't know what this is. Who made this? You pity the fool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really hope Mr. T got a nice check for this because... Right now, his floating head is fighting a dude that's dancing, that's like moving like Michael Jackson, a smooth criminal, but he's got like a green outfit, looks like a generic version of the Riddler, of the Riddler with like a top hat. And is it like the the Moonwalker video game? No, no, don't look. It looks nothing like the Moonwalker video game. This is Atari twenty six hundred graphics in like nineteen eighty four. <laughs> this is awful. This makes the Atari ET game look like gold. Was that mostly just BMX riding, or or did did you have to leave Skittles behind you, or no, did you? No one knows the purpose of the eight, of the uh, of the ET game. That game was never completed. Okay. Um, that game was a rush job. You, oh, I think it's. I've, I, I think I've scratched the. I've, I've kind of. I've I've hit a nerve, haven't I? Yeah. Th- this is this is awful. Um, but I'm glad we looked. We we shared something together for the people. So uh, yeah, this is this is bad. Look it up. Yes. Were there any other games that you wanted to talk about before we ended this? Uh, well, do you know, I mean, you've just you've just done Return of the Jedi. I was going to talk about the Super Star Wars, Super Empire Strikes Back, Super <sighs> Return of the Jedi, um, yes, yes, and a yes, trilogy yes. of games for the um, the Super Nintendo, which overheated my machine many a time. The graphics made my system freeze up many many a time. Um, I never. But we have we've you know we've done a Star Wars one. Which one did you never complete? I remember we talked about this last time. I um. I never got to complete any of the Super Nintendo Star Wars games. And those actually looked really cool. Never got to complete any of those. I completed the NES Star Wars game. Never completed the NES Empire game, which was by JVC, which was hard as hell. Um, Never completed that one. So, so yeah. but But I never got to play any of the Super Nintendo ones, if I remember right. My favorite of the three would definitely be Super Empire Strikes Back. The the Cloud City uh, level specifically and like your, your kind of subsequent battle with with vader was just fantastic but um those, those are awesome games um i i think that, yeah I'll, I'll literally just close on on we've touched on so many of these i guess the 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 one game that made me kind of reinvest in the in the playstation was uh, tony hawk's pro skater um activision in 1999 it started development after the x games um, in '98, I think it started out as um, as an X Games project, and then they, um, for whatever reason, it, it, it kind of folded or closed, or there was some issue there, and they um, eventually just called it Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Um, but it, for me, anyway, it was the first time. Uh, I, I was always a big skating fan from 
uh, from I suppose the, the point of view of somebody that picked up a skateboard having watched Back to the Future and just became obsessed with um, trying to be uh, as cool as Michael J. Fox uh, or what I perceive to be <laughs> extremely cool uh, or as cool as you can be with a huge red puffy vest back in, in you know in the mid 80s and and back then skate skateboarding was all about going along on a board staying on and being able to turn and then getting off it and then stamping your foot on the ground and flicking it up as uh, marty mcfly style um i missed out on the whole Dogtown um and the z boys um kind of era of um tony alva and and um jay adams and uh, all that kind of stuff that was going on late 70s um, completely unbeknownst to me and so I kind of picked up skateboarding in, in the 80s just as a pastime or something that I, I kind of did after school and stuff and then Tony Hawk skateboarding comes along in 1999 uh, on a good machine like a really good machine on the PlayStation graphically superb the free roaming style that Activision had put in place the games engine was fantastic complete freedom but again like concentrated goals so you would enter this big level of kind of an aircraft hangar uh, or something like or, or uh, a skate park um, and there'd be a series of goals and if you didn't want to do the goals no problem you could just skate and do relatively easy to pull off basic tricks or do advanced tricks no problem at all but you've got a real sense of height uh, and motion um, and speed and fluidity from from the game but the goals not easy to achieve but it was just nice kind of bite-sized chunks of i can play the game complete a couple of goals on this level save the game and go to work so if you think i suppose for for me anyway kind of mid 90s was me at college maybe a part-time job i'm now 1999 i'm about to get married and i'm you know full-time work uh, my games playing you know kind of changed it was that was where for me something like tony hawks was something i could pick up play for half an hour save my progress and then move on and then come back to later um you know in, in kind of downtime and so i think in a way the tony hawks franchise became kind of a huge favorite of mine because i just found it easy to play it was a nice thing that i could just pick up and, and play and it reignited you know an interest in in um, skating for me again tony hawks 2 um just graphically became bigger and better um and again the the goals became it, there was always this thing where you had to collect videotapes in, in kind of a skater world anyway um it's always a case of um uh, if you're going to you know turn pro or or um kind of spread the word about yourself it's one thing kind of being the star of your local skate park um but if somebody shoots a, a you know does a, a video of you and manages to get you to a you know a sponsor that's always like a that that step into moving up to pro and so they kind of worked that they worked that into the game by collecting videotapes and uh, opening up new pro skaters and they'd show you a clip of some of their footage and it, it kind of opened up the skating world a little bit more for me and I'd actually start tracking down videos of these skaters like I would never have discovered Rodney Mullen um, if it wasn't for this game it had me tracking down videos of, of these guys and, and seeing that even though they're super exaggerated almost NBA jam style um, a lot of this stuff is um as intricate as a lot of these you know kick flips were and and some of the big air stuff that tony hawks you know pulled off a lot of it is is real and, and achievable as stupid as a lot of the, the moves are you know grinds and these exaggerated stuff it comes the base of it is is actually real um uh, and then i think it was i think 2002 ish tony hawks did a tour here 
in Tony Hawk uh, did a tour here in the UK and I was lucky enough to to go along I went to Wembley Arena and I remember um, I saw an advert in a games magazine to say come along and see Tony Hawk and a host of other stars put on a skateboarding display and a friend of mine was a we played the game constantly and I just said oh Tony Hawk's coming to, to London do you want to go and he was like oh you know it's just going to be so much so much money for a ticket it cost me eight pounds to sit front row at a half pipe display of Tony Hawk back in 2001 2002 and it was it was an awesome couple of hours and it, it was just literally there he is you know there, there's this dude that we've been you know playing the game um and it's just increased from there i've got to say after um number three which was the first step up to the ne- what they then considered next gen because next gen keeps getting redefined um but after the ps2 version uh, which was number three it became extremely free roaming um this was kind of post grand theft auto 3 which for me if if history has taught me anything and if my report card or parents evening reviews have taught me anything um matthew has so much potential but he's easily distracted um grand theft auto (laughs) is the in antithesis of that if you give me a mission i'll be driving to i guarantee i'm driving to drop off those drugs i i am I, I, crime boss, I'm absolutely going to drop them off. But if I drive past the multi-story car park and I see a ramp, I'm going to go, oh, do you know what? I can stop off and try and pull off an amazing jump. And I would never complete any of the goals on Grand Theft Auto. I would always just get distracted and go off and do stuff and cause mayhem. And Tony, Tony, Hawk's, Tony Hawk's 4 had... a it, There was no direction to the game. It was... You would have to go to a location to start a goal so on the way to the location I would pass some bizarre skate park or something and I'd just never get to where I was going and again it just re-emphasised what a loser and slacker I was at that time um, but, but like one, two and three the, the structure of those games were ideal for me, it was literally you've completed ten goals on the previous level, you've now opened up a new area with new goals, do you want to finish up the goals that you've got left over to do or do you want to move over to the next one it was perfect, it was absolutely ideal I absolutely loved it and, and again it kind of rekindled an interest in skating which ended up biting me on the arse three years ago when I decided I was man enough to still skate and, uh, and broke my arm and uh, my skateboards are now in the loft as a shrine to stupidness <laughs> it's alright, oh, lesson and surgery learned twice dude yes. <laughs> yeah. the Tony Hawk games knew you know i always knew of skateboarding like high school college i always knew of it never tried it but i did like the video games though like the first time i played a tony hawk video game it was the uh was it the dreamcast no it was the, it was the playstation it was the playstation game mm. it was a playstation yes right placed ps1 tony hawk i played that and i played it nonstop. i just had fun with it and yeah. um it was it was a joy to play and i played the first two and then after that i just stopped playing it and I never, you know, I just never looked into it any further. Now, I remember I was uh, doing some Christmas, light Christmas shopping. And in the midst of doing something, I was, like, at a store called Big Lots. And they had, like, uh, this Tony Hawk game for the 360. And it came with its own, like, uh, skateboard so you could do tricks I and ha- stuff. I have that. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I looked at it and the missus looked at it. And she was like, mm, you're not going to hurt yourself with that. We're, no, that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. So uh, we passed on that. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I was just like, yeah, just give me the original Tony Hawk, and I'm good. Well, it's it's got to the point. I mean, uh, after f- 
Tony Hawk's 4, um, there were two, I think, games called Tony Hawk's Underground. Um, and the point was that you would, it was kind of starting from uh, your neighborhood and uh, you would interact with other skaters and they'd give you advice as to how to build ramps and how to um, get the most out of your performance and stuff. But it featured being able to step off your board and hold your board under your arm um, and walk around the streets and climb up the sides of people's houses to get to those hard to reach points. So you could literally work your way across a gutter or, or uh, in, you know, um, shimmy up the side of a, a building, pop out of a window and uh, walk across a thin plank to get to those hard to reach areas where you could start your line and start your run of tricks. And again, that's where it was just really, I, I just want you to give me 10 goals that I can achieve in, in not too, you know, short space of time. But then, it, it you know, it's, it's that age old thing of I'm complaining for more content which is bad but I'm, I'm I'm a consumer of chapters I think I have to kind of know that I've completed this particular part of a level before I move on please don't distract me and give me something else to do which is why I'll never play Skyrim from what I've I, 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 literally this like this morning I, it was do you know what in a couple of days I'm going to be going to a game store and I've got a voucher enough to buy a game and I'm just going to research what I'm going to buy and the reviewer of Skyrim said I have played this for 60 hours and I haven't even scratched the surface and it was just I, 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 I spend more time each week listening to comic book podcasts than I do reading comic books and to me that's sad I don't have the time to commit to playing this all enveloping role play game so give me Goldeneye it's fine. <laughs> it's cool. I can I can do that. I can get beyond that. But I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go with my forty pound voucher, and Goldeneye will be twenty four ninety nine on discount. And then I'll pick up two games that I had no intention of buying secondhand, and I'll get distracted. <laughs> so it's it's just the way it goes. As always, when we do these types of shows, I'm sure there are a number of video games that we did not talk about. You know, we may come back to this one day. Who knows? Because there are plenty of video games. There are plenty of video game consoles. I, I could go on a journey with you about the Odyssey gaming system, short-lived. You know, I could even talk about the ColecoVision and the ColecoVision Atom. I could tell you about the one time I bought the Dukes of Hazards, the Dukes of Hazard game, and I put it in my system, and it almost caught my system on fire. <laughs> So I guess that was just somebody's way of telling me that this either A, this game sucked, or B, no, but somebody didn't want me to play ColecoVision that day. <laughs> so, um, but I'll tell you those stories some other time. But Matt, is there anything that you want to talk to the people about, um, any sites that you want to point people to, or this is your moment to, as they say, uh, pimp your wear, sir? Pimp, okay, let's see, Burden's World, um should be returning in some form or another um, as far as I know it's probably going to be kind of rebranded and uh, and far more flexible in the year 2012 uh, with far more for far more potential for guests and stuff so I've been on quite a long hiatus but um, it will return and thanks so much for people that have checked it out I have had um, I've had at least one possibly two people that have actually come to the show from PKD Media uh, which has been awesome um, and, and so thanks you know so much to you Sean and, and for those guys for putting their hands up and saying I, you know I did what you do and, and I think for uh, at some point I, de- I you know I, I have an idea for an episode of, of something I want to do and I'd love to do you know that with you Sean where we just sit down and talk about podcasting and, and how it how it's changed and how it's changed us and um, it's been a bit of a journey 
I'd say for the last two years and 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 this year 2011 creatively has probably been um, the most amazing experience for me in so many ways and it's all come out of podcasting which is which is just amazing so um believe me you know I haven't forgotten about Burden's World and I will be returning um you know to it in some form so um I'll you know post links and stuff um but if you do want to check out old episodes i think there are 14 on uh, burnsworld.blogspot.com or you can find it on itunes um which is literally just me doing kind of an hour, a half hour to an hour of mixture of stand-up and, and just life experience and, and chit chat and you'll find um sean talking about arcade games um on there somewhere as well um so you can find me there matinee idols um is still ticking along that there may well be some changes coming along for us um there too but i think all for the better um our schedule always gets all kinds of screwed up around christmas time you've got Vern doing panto alex is now at college alex has got a you know like radio show he does there um joey's you know becoming increasingly busy i've been extremely busy um and one of the reasons is um fpw um or future pro wrestling um which i'm i'm a co-founder of and, and i host the live shows as well um and and a big thank you to to everyone that's kind of supported um that from especially from the pkd um kind of listenership i've seen kind of retweets and 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 messages and stuff and that's been awesome to see there's now there's loads of video footage floating around from from the three shows that we did do last year um small wrestling company which in a very small space of time we literally did our first show in may um and we're having so many flattering comments of people you know who are regular they know the, the the kind of British wrestling circuit and they go to lots of shows and we're already kind of popping up and being cited as people's highlights of, of the year um, and and we're getting a lot of compliments from from kind of the workers especially and, and really seasoned experienced people from inside the industry and, and that's been hugely encouraging to see so um, if you do want to find out more about that I'd, it would be great I'd really appreciate it um, so if you just go to fpwuk.blogspot.com but really our biggest presence is going to be on Facebook um, we started in may and we've got um well over a thousand you know fans um in that space of time um so there's videos there's photos there's all kinds of stuff going on on there um so please you know um check that out sean i uh, you know we email backwards and forwards from month to month and 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 kind of i guess kind of support each other from from afar but really a big thank you to kind of all the the pimping and tweeting and uh, and um supporting that you've been doing dude it was um yeah it, it, it's been a big help certainly it's it's been an, an awesome year from from all kinds of angles so um yeah just a big thanks to, to pkd media and action lab in in general really oh, well, the same goes for you thank you you know you've always been supportive of what anything we're trying to do and um you know you've always been there to speak on it and uh, support it so hey i can't say thanks enough man but uh you know you keep doing what you're doing with fpw and and because it's it's definitely doing things like i've seen highlights of the videos on youtube and stuff like that you know the shows that you're doing and you know and you are you guys are definitely getting positive pub and it's a good thing and so you know you guys you know keep that up and looking forward to burdens world 2.0 that's for sure uh, definitely looking forward to that. And yeah, you want to do that podcast about podcasting? You just let me know. I'll be there. I think it would be absolutely ideal. Just the just the idea in my head, and um, I think it would be perfect for if you'll have me for for PKD. But um, it's just an idea I've been shooting around for a long time, and it may well turn into a, a a bit of a love fest as far as how I I believe kind of everything kind of starts from just catching on to one podcast. But I think it 
it's a beast that's kind of changed quite a lot, especially over the last year. Um, and uh, and I just yeah, it's a it could be an interesting conversation. So yeah, um, sure. yeah we'll talk we'll talk more. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll, more, we'll so. definitely talk more about it, and we'll definitely do something with that. And um, for for sure. But um, but listen, Matt. Hey, thanks for coming on. And um, you know, as always, you're always welcome back anytime. Thank you, dude. How about um, I'll do maybe a ten o'clock in the morning on Wednesday? How would that be? <laughs> no, I'll actually have to. I'll actually be back at work by the time this one airs. So, uh, well, so. no, you'll be asleep, dude. Oh well, <laughs> 10 yeah, cause, <laughs> yeah, ten o'clock. Right, ten o'clock your time. Oh yeah, I'm out like a light. So uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> How how is the new house? It's wonderful. <laughs> are you enjoying your neighbors and and all the space you have in your new home? Well, the neighbors actually are nice. I I've lived in a lot of places, dude, and I haven't had one fucking neighbor come up to me and say hello. My name is no. ever, <laughs> and I've had like three or four of them already come by and say hi and welcome to the neighborhood. That's awesome. Just nice. You know that's very nice. That's very. And have you been working on your special room? I have little by little. I have all my knickknacks and stuff set up. Uh, my comics, though, my nephew's coming over Saturday, a week from as we record this. I'm breaking the fourth wall, and he's gonna come over, and we're gonna go through all my comics. And I already have a, a stack set aside to send you, uh, including the 1980s Marvel magazine of the last starfighter oh no you didn't oh yes i did you know i love that movie i know you do (laughs) i'm not kidding dude i got it i got it uh i actually got it a while ago i got a bunch of them they were just given to me i i bought a a small collection from the guy i usually go to he was selling uh this is before i had a show so it made sense Mm -hmm. to buy the stuff okay um because let me tell you something, when the movers were moving, and when they got to my comics, dude, every time they came out the house with a long box, I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then they told me that, um, they said, yeah, man, last month we moved a collection that was like four times as big as yours. What? I said, that's what I said. I said, what? He told me the guy bought, he bought private collections, and then he bought like storage units, like storage wars. And he had uh, three storage units, like the smaller ones, filled with comics. So it was. You know what, man? One day we need to do those like storage wars types that type things just to find comics. I would love to do that for cheap. You know, I would love to do that. And it don't need to be like a reality series or anything like that. We got way. Yes, it does. No, we got way too many. Of- yeah, because uh, my friend, my buddy's wife is like Donnie. We should do that. I said, Hell yeah, we should. <laughs> I can see you now fighting with people over collections and trying to find out what's what's in the what's in these uh, storage bins. You put yeah. somebody in the Cobra clutch, and and then come to find out they open it up. It's got nothing but like first issues of like WCW comics from Marvel. <laughs> Everybody's all salty. So <laughs> then you're like, oh, it wasn't all WCW. I found a copy of Super Pro. Yeah, Super Pro. There you go. Wait a minute. Were you the one that sent me a copy of Super Pro? By the way, I, I may have. That could have been me. I'm not, I'm not going to confirm nor deny. I can't really remember. <laughs> I think to be it, honest with I you. think it was you that sent me that copy of Super Pro. Because I do I do send send you a lot of crackpot odd shit. So it's yeah it's, yeah your your care packages have you know have a special meaning. 
<laughs> For those that have listened to the podcast many times, I have to buy my comics sporadically. And so because of this, Donnie and, you know, and even Daryl Taylor have sent me comics to try to keep me up on things. So I have like this massive mountain pile of comics that I have to read. Some of them I've gotten through. Uh, you know, I've read The Brightest Day and, and then I've read some of the Flash books. I've read some of the Brightest Day tie-ins and, you know, stuff like that. Um, read those jacked up Titans books. You know, some of that stuff was okay. I thought Brightest Day was all right. All right. I think I think it, the art was nice, but the story itself did not really appeal to me. Not saying everything right. has to appeal to me in order for me to enjoy it, but a lot of it I was personally I was bored. You know, just being real. Flash stuff was kind of cool. I'm not the biggest Flash fan in the world, but I thought that Flash stuff was kind of cool. The Titan stuff was just sad. Um, Which I, Titan stuff was it? It, it was. I think some of it was like either Blackest Night tie-in. Some of it was like Brightest Day stuff. You know, it was during the. You know, when it was during the. Uh, Speedy has has like a erectile dysfunctional problem and a drug problem. He's got the mechanical arm and stuff like that. Oh, that was the. Uh that's the JLA mini. Okay. All right. I, I may have gotten some stuff mixed up. That's the one, because I did a Tales from the Attic on that y- issue. Yes. I, I, I was not pleased. Not pleased at all with that. Oh, um, no. That made for a good Tales from the Attic. Oh, it did. It did. No, that Tales from the Attic was funny. but Put me on the map. Yes, it did. It put- <laughs> <laughs> But um, but no, but see, but also, uh, Donnie sends me you know care packages of comics from today and yesteryear, including an issue of GI Joe with Star Brigade, and <laughs> and let me tell you something about the Star Brigade issue, Donnie. Okay, I'm gonna tell you something about it because you eventually you're gonna get to it in your classic GI Joe volumes by IDW. It's I coming. Did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I opened up that the cover got me all hype. I was like, ooh, Star Brigade. I remember the, the toy commercials where they had the live actors and those really bad uniforms. I'm like, okay, I'm really excited to read this. Let me open this up. So I open it and the artist you know and you have to like take note the you know, the air the era that we're in when this was drawn. This is when comics were like on that big boom. So like you had gajillions of people doing comics and comics were selling everywhere. So sometimes the art there was a certain style of art that was out at this time that I don't know why everybody loved this style, but so many people did it. And I couldn't tell who was who. I didn't you know, unless somebody put in a word bubble, hey Duke, we need to go over there. Okay okay, Stalker, that's where we'll go. Otherwise, I'd have been like, I don't know who the fuck this is in this comic, and I don't know who we're fighting, and I don't know what's going on. You know, because you could have three bald black dudes in the book. I'm like, okay, one of you is Stalker, one of you is Roadblock, and either one of you is Iceberg or Colonel Courage. I have no idea who you are right now. None. Or or not just Iceberg. What was the other dude's name? Alpine. Yes, Alpine. Yes. But he had glasses. Yeah, yeah, at least he had glasses, and sometimes they let him wear a hat. But that's like around that time. Is because I just read this in the IDW, but and, and um, that's when they were having the saw vipers, the crazy vipers Cobra had that they were just basically Cobra soldiers, but they're all jacked up. And they just like there was this one that was like a crazy killer dude, mm-hmm. and he had all the G.I. Joes in a pit, all the ones that Larry Hama was sick, tired of writing, all oh, like Battle Force 2000. And he just he just killed them all. Yeah, yeah. See, you were thinking, we were just talking about black guys with glasses, and that brought me back to Doc and the kill Doc because <laughs> Doc was trying to save everybody. Don't. And quick kick, the shot, it killed everybody. Don't get me started on that. When they killed Doc, I was real pissed. And then they blew up um, 
Battle Force 2000 and only like one of the dudes or two of the dudes lived out of like the Battle Force of like nine guys. Only yeah. two lived. Yeah. And uh, it was like every character that they didn't, they they were like, all right, look, no one's buying these toys, man. So Larry Hama's like, I'm sick and tired of quick kick with no shoes. <laughs> they didn't have to kill Doc. Rope. Doc Doc wearing his duty brown uniform all the time. Yeah, man, with the glasses on, a rope pig killed him. And they they said the hell with it. Just just we got this other dude lifeline. He we they only need one medic. There's fuck, fuck forty thousand GI Joes, one medic. Yeah, fuck a lifeline. You need more. You need more than one medic. You know you do. You know you, you got do. like three guys that could climb mountains. All right, <laughs> <laughs> you got like twenty fire specialists, and yet you can only have. Two medical, one medical dude killed kill Doc, man. It was foul. Mad foul. But see, thanks to Jay Tomio, Jay was the one that got me hip on a... What you say? I said, oh, we, oh, we, oh. oh. <laughs> um, thanks to Jay, he's the one that got me hip on the fact that Larry Hama hated Battle Force 2000. And I mean hate. I'm talking like hatred, hatred. You well, know, as, as you get to the later issues of G.I. Joe that IDW is collecting... And I just ordered volume 15 on this DCBS order because I've been ordering them as they come out. So I'm in the, I want to say, one 115 to 120-ish area, maybe. All right. You could tell the characters that he's just, he's just like, fuck it. <laughs> I'm done. Kiss my ass. See, and, and I, and I can understand that. And, and eventually, but see, you still haven't gotten to that Neon Ninjas era yet. You no, we did. We just we just revealed that Firefly was the leader of the Red Ninja Clan. Okay, and I was like, Firefly, shut up! <laughs> you're just you're just picking people that just covered their face, and now you're just making them ninjas. Mm-hmm. Firefly's outfit, he had his face covered. Dude's been around forever, and now he's a ninja master. Shut up. Speaking of Firefly, you know what? That that takes me to the G.I. Joe Retaliation trailer. You know, because I know you're a big G.I. Joe fan like myself. Yes, sir. Have you watched the trailer? And tell me I your did. thoughts. All right. I have mixed feelings. I was kind of like, okay, but I'm going to tell you right now what sold it on me. What's that? And when the Cobra flags came down off the White House. <laughs> I was like, I don't give a, I just bought a house. I don't give a shit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to see that movie. I don't care if I look, we ain't going to have heat that month. I need my <laughs> my 12.50 for a ticket to go see it. And everybody's going to be like, Donnie, it's dumb. Look, you remember the first one, blah blah blah, and yada yada. Well, and and, and all this shit. And and I was like, I, man, them cobra flags on the White House. I was like, I want, I want a cobra flag for my house. Yes, yes. No, not only that, but it has a new director. The, the new screenwriters for the film were the uh, cats from Zombieland, and they're all big GI Joe fans. I'm not saying that Steven Summers and his writing team from the first movie weren't big GI Joe fans, but they tried, they tried to tweak it, and it had, it felt more like an off version of GI Joe Sigma Six than GI Joe or Real American Hero. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And um, plus the special effects were horrible. But um, with this one, it looks like a G.I. Joe special missions um, story. So, you know, it looks like from the looks of things, it looks like you're going to have Roblox Flint and Lady J and Joe Colton doing their thing over here. And then you're going to have Snake Eyes, Jinx and possibly Helix over here doing their thing. 
I'm sure we'll have some other appearances from other Joes. They, they got brought, they brought back Joe Colton and who they get to play it. Grumpy old Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, who is it? Who, who, from what I hear, is he's getting older in movies, is turning into a big asshole. But I don't care because he's in the back of a pickup truck shooting <laughs> nines. No, no. What was funny about that? Um, and we'll and we'll talk about the movie that this trailer was attached to momentarily. But wife and I went to the movies. We saw a Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. I heard that it was pretty good. Yeah, it is. And and I'll rap to you about it in a minute. But beforehand, they had a bunch of trailers, and this one was heavy with Paramount trailers, including the Avengers trailer, which I saw for the first time in the movie theater. The trailer played much better in the movie theater than it did on my computer. I will say that. And I am looking forward to seeing the movie, even though nobody wants to keep a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I just come from the era of comic books where, hey, it was cool to have a mask. It's okay. But I guess when you pay an actors millions of dollars, you got to constantly see their faces. I, I really don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but that's Hollywood. And that's all I got to say about that. But the trailer looked a lot better on the screen, on the movie screen than it did at my house. Now. They got rid of Snake Eyes' lips. Yeah, that which is they awesome. Were like, they were like, look, Ray Park, we don't give a fuck if you could breathe or not. <laughs> no lips for you in this movie. Yeah. Well, here's the funny thing about that. When the people in the movie theater, because it was a packed house, when the people in the movie theater saw the Avengers trailer, you know, they were cool with it. You didn't hear like a lot of emotion over it, but they were cool with it. Well, when the right. G.I. Joe retaliation trailer came on, these folks got hype. Folks was hooting and hollering. And then the, at the end of it, where, where Bruce Willis shows up, they go ballistic. And I'm like, wow, I did not expect this type of reaction from a G.I. Joe trailer. But um, but yeah, man, it looks it looks hella cool, and I'm glad they took that mouth off of Snake Eyes' mask, because from the look of it, I couldn't really tell because the way the scenes that they had, the way they were lit, I couldn't really tell if they did that or not. But I hope they did. But um, yeah, dude, it looks hella cool. So I'm I'm, I'm hoping I'm re I really really hope that this movie will be entertaining. Like I said, the first one, it is what it is, and I know that's a cliched saying. And I like it in parts. The, the movie as a whole is not good, but in parts, there are parts of it I enjoy because it's just as silly as G.I. Joe cartoon. And it's just as silly as some of the plots from the original G.I. Joe comic book series. So, you know, I'm not going to like, you know, there, there's, there's no there's no reason to be like a like a uber hater geek and just like shit all over it. But no, um, you just got you just got to turn off your brain and just have fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because like literally, like the first movie, people were all like, "Oh, it was stupid! It was this, it was that," and yeah, it it read like there was a screenwriter in a room with a bunch of a bunch of little kids who had GI Joe toys, and it was just like, "Okay," and then they go underwater, and the screenwriter's just in the back writing it down, like, "Okay, Destro goes underwater." You know what I'm saying? Like. But you just, man, I just had fun with that movie. Yes, I do. I have it on DVD. A lot of people do. And yes, I even got the one with the digital copy so I could put it on iTunes and carry it around with me. So if I feel like it, I could watch it. Yo, I man. don't care. Judge me if you want to. I just like seeing Adebisi from Oz shooting people. That's right. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't call him heavy duty. When he's in the movie, I'm like, it's Adebisi. Yeah, that's right, with his little hat little, that's little glued hat. to the back of his head. And I still can't figure out to this day how the fuck that thing stayed on, man. Magic. How the hell? That's some African voodoo shit right there. Just a, <laughs> He's like Brother Voodoo, but the only spell he had was to keep that little ass hat <laughs> on his head in jail. That's <laughs> 
Uh, I, I don't understand the little head either. I don't even understand how I started watching Oz. I, I really Oz don't. was an awesome show. Oh man. no, no, it was. It was an awesome show. It was wrong on a, on a million levels. But I think what oh. happened was like a, a good a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, had come back into town. So we started hanging out again. So we would watch like Mystery Science Theater three thousand that would come out on VHS and DVD. Mm-hmm. And he started watching Oz. He's like, "Yo, you need to check this show out." And he like he would tape it. Yeah, this we were still in the era of VCRs before DVD recorders and stuff. So, you know, he recorded, and like you know, we get together, some other friends get together, and we all watch it, and then we just all say, "Man, this is really fucked up." Hey, I can't wait till next week. Hell yeah, dude! You you let me tell you something, man. That scared me straight. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean seriously, I had opportunities around that time to make some money uh, on the down low doing stuff. I mean, nothing crazy. Like, I, ain't, you know, I'm not a contract killer, a crack dealer. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not G-Money. <laughs> but I see, man, people were pooping in people's mouths and they were swinging dicks everywhere and I still couldn't figure out Alabisi's hat. I was like, I ain't going to jail. <laughs> no, I'm not fooling with that. Plus, Ernie Hudson, you know, I always knew Ernie Hudson was a big guy. He works out. He knows, you know, like a, like karate and, and can box and all that stuff. But, like, this dude was swollen. And he was a ghost buzzer. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not fucking with, with uh, Winston. I'm not. Winston will whoop you. He was ass. the warden, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. All right. And then yeah. they brought in the dude from. Um, oh, he wound up being on The Wire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, but I'm trying to remember the educational show. He was the asshole warden. Yeah. Oh, he was also in SWAT. He was Samuel Jackson's friend in SWAT. But I'm really trying to think. Really? Yes, he was. Yeah. Someone, someone. We just made a SWAT reference, ladies and gentlemen. This show was over. Hey, <laughs> man. Yo, there's a lot of people in SWAT, including Jeremy Renner. See? Oh man, you know everybody's loving Jeremy Renner. Fuck a Jeremy Renner. No, I'm, man. I'm not saying. Look, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, this is not the Jeremy everybody's Renner. Not, no, but everybody loves this dude. All of a sudden, man, fuck him. He's been around for a long time. He has been, and he ain't a better actor than he was back then. Man, I I, I, I don't like him. I sense hate in your heart. I just, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> like, don't just now I'm trying to look up Oz to find that dude's name for you. I got it. I got it. I got it. And all of a sudden, Chris, Christy McNichol comes out that she's gay. <laughs> you were so angry. Well, no, it's just like Christy McNichol. No shit, Christy McNichol. I mean, come on, really? Uh, News break. Liberace was gay. I mean, that's the same kind of shit, right there, dude. That was the name of that damn show. That's gonna really mess with me. Now. I'm gonna find it, man. Relax. We're gonna look for it together. Eat- oh, that's right. You had Rita Marino as sister. Sister Peter Marie. Wait a minute. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, Martin Quarns. He was Warden Martin Quarns in Oz. That's where he. That's what he played in Oz. And the and the uh, kids show that he was on in the eighties was Square One TV. That's where I remember him from. I never even heard of that. Oh, dude, Square One TV was like on from like uh, the late eighties to like the early nineties. It was kind of. It was, but it all dealt with math stuff. It was like the electric company for a new generation. And like they had shit like instead of Dragnet, MathNet. And I did all types of shit, but it had to do with math. And it was actually kind of cool. But when I was a kid, I watch it now, I'm like, this is terrible. How am I learning anything? But Oh, um, man, I remember Saeed. But um, the actor's name was Reggie Cathy. That was his name, Reggie Cathy. I just remember when I first watched Oz, and like he took the place of Ernie Hudson. I was like, what's dude from Square One TV doing running a, running a prison? I was like, I he got was a dick. Yeah, he was a dick. 
you got me back talking about Oz. Yeah, man. Go get them box sets. Oh, I wish I could. You can go see J. Jonah Jameson as a Nazi. HBHS. <laughs> yep. Which was also scary, too. J.K. Simmons can act. Oh, no, that dude can. Yeah, he can act. Yeah, you know, if I ever saw him in public, I might be afraid to talk to him. But um, no, he's a hell of an and, actor. And what's his name? Harold Per you. Oh, Harold Perino? That's what I said. From Lost. And he was in Romeo and Juliet. He was in the, that TV. Remember the TV show, The Unusuals? He was in that for like a week. Yeah, that was. That was it only lasted like a week. Well, you know, see, <sighs> that that was that short period. Of, well, that, I shouldn't say short, but that was that long, long two or three year period where ABC was just putting shows out and not giving them a chance to survive. Mm-hmm. I mean, somewhere Cougar Town is sitting like, when we coming back? They just took Cougar Town straight off the schedule. They were like, oh, yeah. Um, I thought it was coming back in March. Yeah, okay. Oh, well, I, I didn't know. It's going to be a mid-season show now. Okay. Because, like, for a while, they just kept it off schedule, and everybody's like, when is it coming back? When is it coming <laughs> back? I don't know. Oh, I, um, I kind of started smoking again with all the stress of the house and, the, and my job and the holiday season and stuff. Yeah. And I'm trying to stop again, so I bought myself an electronic cigarette. I just sound like I was from Deep South right there. <laughs> I bought me one of them dang fangled, you know what I'm saying, electronic cigarettes. If you hear me puffing on something, that's what it is. I, I take like two or three drags every hour, and I'm good. And it's supposed to have like two, uh, the equivalent of two packs of vapor smoke in here. We got to get you off them cigarettes, man. It's okay now. I think I'm on my way back to the non-smoking section. Okay, well, don't make me come up there with Nicotrail. Don't he was going to smoke, though, Sharon. <laughs> don't make me come up there with Nicotrail. So... <laughs> You don't talk to Nicotrell that way. <laughs> but, um, you know what? Short note, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. It was oh, excellent. Sorry. Yeah, we were talking about that. No, huh? it's okay, dude. It's okay. It was an excellent film. Brad Bird directed it. I've enjoyed all the Mission Impossible movies, but this one I enjoyed most. A lot of it had to do with the fact that Tom Cruise continues to do the most insane amount of stunts I've ever seen, including being on the outside of the tallest building in the world in Dubai. I'm like, dude, you you don't have to do this, okay? You don't have to prove anything to me, okay? You don't. But yet, he continues to do stuff like this. He had a he has a saying, and I'm just paraphrasing, um, in regards to the um, being on, you know, basically being you know suspended from like the tallest building in the world. He's pretty much said, well, you know, after 50 feet, after you're 50 feet up in the air, it's pretty much all the same. The only difference is, is that. You know, it takes longer. It just, it's just a longer drop, and you have more time to think about hitting the ground. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. The man, like, was swinging on the tallest building in Dubai, and, like, he was doing all types of crazy stunts. There's a fight in a parking garage, and not your standard parking garage. This is, like, the, you know, that newfangled technology parking garage where, like, you have, like, these, like, little conveyors and stuff that, like, pick up cars and move them and adjust them, like, to play a Tetris. And it's shit's wild. It's a great movie. You know, great cast. Paula Patton was kick-ass. Simon Pegg was kick-ass. They had really cool, cool gadgets. Jeremy Renner was cool in it, too. There's a special guest appearance at the end of the movie. I won't tell you who, but word on the street is, is that this dude got paid mad loot for his guest appearance. Um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a really, 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 really good movie. I dig it. I dig it. So, I'll, honestly, I hope we get another Mission Impossible movie directed by Brad, by Brad Bird. And I, honestly, I hope Brad Bird starts directing more live-action stuff because he's more known for doing the, all the Pixar movies. It, and also, this movie will kind of take you back to the old-school Mission Impossible 2 with some of the stuff they do. 
So it's a dude. It's a blast. If you get a chance to go see it, take your e, take your e cigarette, take the misses, <laughs> and go see Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. On this episode, part two of the conversation between Matt Burden and I talking about our favorite like video games at the arcade and console. That was a lot of fun, and, man. And console games. Um, did you have like any like games at the arcade that you loved? When I was listening, I was just yelling. I was like, what about the X-Men console game? Well, see, that that's on this part of the recording. Oh, cool. Okay. Because it, you guys are talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I was like, but right after that, they came out with the X-Men one. And then it was like Gauntlet was like right around that time too, oh, and then it had like twenty five versions of Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. No. Gauntlet was come on, you gotta remember Gauntlet was a shit back in the day. All the versions of Gauntlet were pretty awesome. And then then all of a sudden they came out with the video console video game that changed the world. What's that? Mortal Kombat. <laughs> Uh, no, see, we talked for like a second about Mortal Kombat in, 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 in between in between both in between both uh, episodes. I think we talked about it for like a, a second or two because there's just so many freaking games. You know, going between consoles and going between like you know the arcades. There's so many freaking video games. We wanted to talk about them all, and we just you know we ran out of time. Um, right. But like, I still love Mortal Kombat, man. Oh yeah, oh. I got the newest version for Xbox. How is it? Came out a couple of years ago, and basically what it is is like an updated version of the first three games. So you go through all three tournaments. Ah, and it's like, and then as you do it, you know, more characters get introduced from the second game, from the third game, and then it end the way it ends off is, um, after you beat Shokan on the rooftop, it, he um. The, the, all of a sudden the portal opens up and and uh, the way it ends is like the beginning of the fourth game. Uh, so I'm hoping you'll get like four, five, six. That'd be cool. Yeah, did you I ever, liked it. Did you ever play Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe? You know I did. Don't wait. With the Joker with the hand buzzer and then he 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 got the he got the um the boxing glove. Oh, for see, I've never played it. I've only and seen then, it. And then he shoots you, and he's just and he dances around. He, it, you never played that? No, dude. You know I'm always behind on my video. I will forever be behind on video games. I think you could actually get that now, man, for mad cheap. Like you could probably get a used copy at GameStop for probably like ten dollars. Okay, but I'll, it's fun. Okay, see, I want I, I want to play that. I want to play that WWE All Stars game. Where like all the wrestlers like like look like cartoons and stuff. <laughs> they look like the rock uh, rock and wrestling cartoons. Yeah, man, I, I want that because it's like the NBA Jam of wrestling. So I, I want to play that really, really bad. <laughs> Remember them cartoons? Oh man, Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. Of course, Hulk Hogan was all like, "Come on, brothers, we've got to stop Rowdy Piper and the Iron Sheik from stealing these nuclear weapons, dude." <laughs> man. Why was Iron Sheik always the bad dude, man? Because man, we were at war with Iran at the time. That's yeah. why. Oh yeah, wasn't nothing like it wasn't nothing like the WWF to like enforce stereotypes. No, they're still doing it to this day. I know. I'm. Hey, I know. How you gonna have a black um a black ta- tag team and call them Crime Time? <laughs> man, and have them have them rapping about stealing people's shit. Hey, don't get me started on that. 
don't, come on now. Don't don't get me started on that. It's ridiculous. Ezekiel, name a wrestler, Ezekiel Jackson. <laughs> and he's from, oh, where the hell is he from? He's from South America somewhere. It's just silly, man. Talks with an accent. Just completely silly. And then they make him job every week. He's mm-hmm. the biggest motherfucker in the world. You got more. You got muscles in his shit. Well, well, the thing is, is that he's going to have to job. See, he has. He's going to. He, gonna, can't, he's, he, he can't, can't talk. I know. I know. But he's going to have to go through what I call the Mark Henry walk of life. Oh, so he's going to be there 14 years before he gets a title shot? Exactly. Exactly. Because that's how. We just jumped on wrestling now. Oh, no, no, no. no. I'm I'm just. Well, because we started talking about the video games and stuff. But, I mean, that's how they're going to treat him. That's how they treated Mark Henry. And then, you know, Mark Henry gets a little hurt. Oh, you can't have the belt no more. You're hurt. Here, give it to somebody else. See, because I don't get the. Like I said, I don't watch wrestling that much. I only come in on key moments, and I'm like, oh, this is some bullshit. Mark Henry is going to win that belt back on the biggest stage of them all. WrestleMania? Yes, I believe that. Okay. Well, I'm going. He did too much for that company for them to turn around and be like, "Okay, that was nice. You had the belt for a couple of months." I don't trust it. I'm sorry. I just don't trust them. Nah, they. I don't know, man. Mark Henry took took that opportunity and ran with it. They didn't have nobody else, and Mark was just in the back, like, "Hello, (laughs) I've been here for a while." Y'all forgot I was here. Um, I, I was sitting in the back. I was just eating a sandwich. Y'all ain't put me on the card for like 10 months. <laughs> Remember me? You know, I mean, y'all kept paying me, so I appreciate it. And but. I still, I could talk on the microphone, and I, I'm a big guy. Yeah, man. And I did everything you wanted me to for 14 years. Mm-hmm. Including being sexual chocolate. I was sexual chocolate. I had an affair with Mae Young. The oldest woman in the world, and she gave birth to a hand. I remember that shit. No, I gave. I birth. don't. I don't want to talk about that. Not that. Then you made me go on national television and tell my mama that I I slept with a transvestite because I was sexual chocolate and I had a sex and I was addicted to sex. <laughs> and, and you made me do that in front of my mom. Yeah, man. In front of my mom, Vince. Mm-mm. No. On national television. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And then and then uh, you kind of just. I didn't do much for a while. Then you put me in ECW uh, when you bought that and made Tony Atlas uh, pretty much my Virgil. And that was kind of cool. Uh, but, but then um, I became the ECW champ and then you made me lose the belt and then you canceled ECW. <sighs> and now I'm back on SmackDown and I just kind of hung out. And I'll take a belt. I'll do it. And Vince was like, okay, we got nobody else. Okay. Okay. But he took it, man. He ran with it. He took his opportunity. He ran with it. He talked a, a lot of, man. He had my best, the best line of 2011 in the wrestling ring. What's that? When he was walking to the ring, you know how he used to wear them big red tights? Yeah. <laughs> he was walking to the ring. He said somebody in the crowd, he said, I ain't no damn Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, because... Because when he came, he did look like the Kool-Aid dude because he's all huge and whatnot. And he was just big and red. He looked like the Kool-Aid dude. But when he said to that dude in the audience, I ain't no damn Kool-Aid. I said, that's it. He's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) But give me one other video game that you played with. Back in the day, you back, mean? Yeah, back in the day. I'm talking about when you went to the arcade, when little Donnie Salvo was in the arcade, he just finished watching episodes of The Master with Lee Van Cleef. 
and said, "Mama, hey, what's his name?" Got thrown through the window every week. Yes. Oh yeah. After that, after that kid got thrown through the window, every episode, you was like, "Mama, can we go to the arcade tomorrow?" And you went to the arcade. What did you go? What was that one game you had to go play? But believe it or not, I mean, like, I haven't. I was never really a big video game dude as a little kid. But like, when my mom would take me to like a Chuck E. Cheese or something with my cousins, or we had a, a place. Um, it was called the Milford Wreck, and it was well. It was called the Milford Arcade at first, and then they changed it to the Milford Wreck, and they added a bunch of like pool tables and mini golf and stuff to keep in business. Um, when arcades went south, they went south in a New York minute, man. After Atari, I'll tell you that. And ColecoVision, when ColecoVision came out with the games that you could play at home that were at the arcade, like mm-hmm. Donkey Kong and and all that shit. People didn't go to arcades no more. See, now it was different. Like where I lived, even with the Atari and the ColecoVision, there was such like a graphic difference between the two and the arcade games. Right. Our our dude, our arcades were literally packed up until I say about ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. See, I mean, we we had the one. That, that Milford Rec place. Then there was a one, I think it was called the Fun Zone or some shit like that in the mall. That lasted for a little while. But that's just because parents would throw their kids in there because they just wanted to shop in peace without their kids saying, why won't you buy me this? You know, so they just they just threw, gave their kid like $20 and said, go get some tokens and play some video games. We'll be back in, in an hour and get you, you know. I, I, I remember going to the arcade, and this is going to give away my age, and rocking Space Invaders and just loving Space Invaders. Yeah. And then as a you know, I remember the Star Wars game where you used to sit in inside and it was like it was shit graphics. It was just like you sat down it's and it vector. was Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like the computer screen of the actual X Wing and you just went and tried to blow up the Death Star. You don't know. You know what used to fuck me up on that game? I used to for love years? that game. What man. used to fuck me up on that game for years is that when you were in the Death Star Trench, they had those like wall barriers. And I was just like, okay, well, how do I get under and o- I can't go over them. But I, then you learned that you had to like push the, the uh, you had to fly underneath them. Right. I never understood that at first. So I was like, oh, I'm just supposed to shoot them. Nope, can't shoot them. And you try to fly through them. Here's poof. And because like your shields will, like start to go. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. And then. <laughs> Uh, and then there was uh, Punch Out. I used to love to go and play Punch Out, man. When we, when we, I was probably about, I don't know. I want to say I was about eleven or twelve when not Super Punch Out, regular Punch Out came out. And um, Ivan Drunkinski. <laughs> and um, you know, my mother would go shopping at the mall, and 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 I would just she'd give me like ten bucks, man. I'd go and play punch out until she was because you know she never went she you know like shopping shopping she'd be gone for like 40 minutes and she'd be like you know i know you don't want to follow me around looking at drapes yeah <laughs> yeah so you know and it was right right next to the cow doors all right that's how far we're going back so i used to sit in there man in the fun zone and play punch out until she was done she'd come and get me and then and then as i got older and was able to go to the to arcade with my friends and shit it was Mortal Kombat too. We used to sit there, and me and my friend Jay, who lived down the street, who incidentally was the first dude I knew who got a Nintendo, and we spent the whole summer 
We didn't even see outside. Like his mom would throw us out of the house. Because yeah. we would wake up first thing, I'd take a shower and go to Jay's, and we would play half the day, we would play Super Mario Brothers, and the other half of the day, we would play Mike Tyson Super Punch-Out. Oh, not the Mike Tyson. You know, yep. what used and to... We used, I mean, for, I'm, dude, that was an entire summer Yeah, those those two games. No, I know, dude, seriously. I, I, dude, I remember being at my grandma's house because my cousin had a Nintendo, and literally... He got Mike Tyson's punch out in between me, um, him, and my uncle. We played that all summer. And we didn't have, and see, the thing is, is that this was also during a period of time where when Nintendo came out, after the first couple of years, you started to get third party companies making devices for the Nintendo. So, right. like, instead of that standard Nintendo, like, uh, gamepad with the, you know, the, uh, the cross controller and the A and B button. Other companies came out with different joysticks, and my cousin had this one. I think it was by Epics or somebody else, but it was red and black, and you could hold the controller in the palm of your hand because you actually had a joystick, and then you could use like, because um, it was like you could hold it in your left hand and control the game with control the joystick with your right hand, and in your left hand there was trigger buttons on the side for the first two fingers. So we would play Punch Out, you know, with that, and he went through three of those controllers in like three months because essentially they were nice controllers, but they were pieces of shit. <laughs> right, right. You know, the architecture was nice and the form was nice, but they were poor, poorly made. So yeah, I remember, dude, the days of playing Mike Tyson's Punch Out, and then you get the intermission scene where the the, the uh, trainer's on the bike, and like they made him look like a stereotypical overweight black dude, and like and like um. Little Champ is running, and they playing that generic MIDI music in the back. <laughs> yeah, man, we went through like we went through Mike Tyson's Punch Out, Jordan versus Bird, and a couple other games. I mean, literally, we just ran through that all summer. It was, it was good stuff, man. It, it really was. But no, our arcade was my stuff, and I think for more nostalgic purposes now, there are still a few arcades left, but. I kind of wish we had one around here. Right. Just, 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 I think, I guess to me, I'm just that type of person where I always feel that society is always better known, is always better known, oh, I'm sorry, is always better off knowing what was in the past so they can respect what they have today. And, well, that, okay. uh, the, that place, the Milford Rec, I was telling you, that, was, that has been in Connecticut since I was born hmm. and just closed its doors, I think, last year. Or this year, just no, last year, 2011, it finally closed its doors. Wow, it's been around for a long time. I mean, well, I don't know if it's been there since I was born, but it's been there since I can remember my earliest memory. I mean, I remember going there playing pool with my dad. I remember, you know, and then, like I said, as they got older, they added uh, as 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 the arcade started dying, they added more batting cages. When I was in Little League, my dad took me there to help me with my swing, man, and battle in the batting cages. And then they had miniature golf, and they added indoor golf court, uh, uh, indoor um, uh, uh, go karts, and and uh, and then they had a uh, laser tag. Remember when that was big? Yeah. They had a laser tag room. I don't know, man. As I got like, I never was one for a home video. Like my man Jay had uh, the Nintendo. And then he had a Super Nintendo, and I never went and it just was like how I got a video game system was when my parents didn't know what the hell to get me for Christmas. So I got a Sega Genesis, 
And then as I started playing Sonic, and then I got Mortal Kombat and Mortal Kombat 2 for it. And then I got, you know, the add-on. I got the Sega CD. So did I. I had that, too. I played the Dracula game. Did you play the, the game with Dana Plato? With the, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Were you trying to stop the murderer? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the, you remember the Dracula game? It was like uh, it was supposed to be a sequel to Brian Stoker's Dracula. Yes, and you were trying to figure out who was the vampire. Mm-hmm. And then when they came up with the third thing, I remember they had that cool Star Wars game oh, for the yeah. thir- for the third. You know, you plugged it into the top. The th- it was supposed the, to be better graphics. Yeah, that's the thirty two X. Yeah, the thirty two X. See, I didn't go that far. Yeah. And then, um, then I got older, and my wife. My first wife didn't know what to get me for Christmas, so I got a PlayStation. It was all over, and then I just started playing it. And then I, and then, and then uh, Tori. Now, I mean, she didn't know what to get me for Christmas one year, and I got a PlayStation two, <laughs> and then I got an Xbox because she didn't know what to get me for Christmas. Every time, no one doesn't know what to get me for Christmas. They buy me a video game system, and now I'm up to my Xbox three sixty, and. Uh, I uh, got a couple of games for Christmas, actually. That uh, Dead Island. Okay. I got which I started to play, and I, you know what? I'm not too. Uh, I don't like the game, like the the controls on it. I, you know, it, it, I just don't dig the controls on it. Hmm. But uh, you know, I guess it's just a matter of getting used to it. And then the fucking WWE, man. Okay. I got WWE 12. Okay, how is that? I made I made Dangerous Donnie Salvo from back in the day. <laughs> and they changed every time, man, for the past three years. You get used to the controls of playing that game, we're going to change them on you. Well, that's how they get you. I got my first match, dude. It took me like 10 minutes to learn how to f- f- throw a punch. I got my ass whooped. <laughs> now I get like, I like a lot of World War II games, like the Medal of Honor series. I was very disappointed when they went into Modern Warfare, you know, Medal of Honor. They, I think that was them who did Modern Warfare. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. Those games, I'm massively... Well, they, they you know, because all those games were taken off, man, and so they, they decided to jump on the bandwagon instead of doing the World War II missions. They started doing, you know, you're going to go to Iraq and Afghanistan and shit, and it's just like, I don't know, just wasn't into it. But yeah, that's pretty much the, the Arkham games. I got Arkham City. I haven't cracked it open yet. You know, with the move and everything, I haven't really had a chance. I just been fucking around playing video games a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got a lot of video games that um I want to play. I just haven't had time to play yet, and they're sitting. Like I said, they're sitting here in the house, but I'll get to them eventually. So by the time, so that's why, like I said before, in like this episode and in previous episodes, this is why I never buy games new. It makes no sense for me to. Why waste that money? Yeah, the same here, man. Like a lot of my video games are the only one I used to buy new every year was the new WWE games. I used to buy those the day it came out, and I used to go home and play them. But for the most part, I my you know my wife or my sister or somebody would get me a game or whatever for Christmas or my birthday, and that's how I play. Because I I never even fi- finished uh, Arkham Asylum, you know, and I already got Arkham City. And it's like, I just don't, I didn't have the time, you know, between podcasting and doing stand-up and and uh, being a husband mm-hmm. and working a full-time job. It's kind of hard. But, you know, usually video games got my attention during vacation time when my wife was at work and I was just sitting there during the day with nothing to do. And I was like, all right, let's play some, uh, some Red Dead Redemption. 
Mm. See, I still have yet to play that. So, mm. like I said, massively behind. So by the time I get to buy these video games, it'll be five ninety nine a piece. There you go. But at least you'll have a lot of fun. Yes. For cheap. Yep. Two thousand fifteen. That will be my year of video games. <laughs> that will that will be the year. It'd be like, man, Pryor is mad behind on all his shit. What is wrong with him? I'm working to make these comics. That's it. And podcast and other businesses. You know, I got businesses. So, oh, an update. 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 Last thing before we end out this podcast for the listeners. The PKD Media website is currently in the process of being built. It is official. I have talked with the web designer, and it is in the process of being built as we speak. Look for look for the beginning, either late January, beginning of February. Uh, PKD Media will have a, a spanking new website, and it will basically uh, give you everything you need to know about the PKD Black Box, Tales from the Attic, Carol Chronicles, um, what PKD Media is doing, like what type of th- what type of uh, things that we're producing, whether it be comics that are published by other publishers or other types of content like games and some other secret par- projects that we are in the process of trying to start. So, um, so yeah, I'm really, really excited about the relaunch of the website um, because it's, it's been a while and I, have, um, I haven't you know, been giving it the proper attention that it deserves because I've you know, been busy with Action Lab. But we're going to get back to PKD and uh, give it some shine. And this will also help you know, give Donnie some shine with Tales from the Attic and um, give John some shine with the Carol Chronicles. And you'll get to see uh, some PKD material comics-wise that has never been published. You'll get to see some stuff from the vaults where, like, I, I, I go to, to tons of con- – no, I shouldn't say tons. I've gone to a lot of conventions over the years. If I said tons, I'm like, yeah, I got money. I'm broke. What are you talking about? Um, over the years, I've been to conventions, and, like, I'll get sketches and stuff. And I'll start to, like, you know, pop, throw those on the site and, and also do some things to where um, – to where you know if you want to contribute to PKD Media to help us keep these podcasts being made and other projects going, uh, get, getting up and started, um, we're going to do some other things as well. And I'm really excited about it, and I hope the listeners are excited about it too. So be on the lookout for that late January, early February. So nice. So yeah, man, really, really stoked about that. And that concludes this week's PKD Black Box. The PKD Black Box is a proud member of the HHWLOD Podcast Network and is available at hhwlod.com and is also available via iTunes. And you can still go to pkdmedia.com to get our podcast, check out our form, and read comics like Mercury and the Murd, Agents of Cult, and Luke Foster's The Gang from the Store for free. If you're on iTunes or our forum board, feel free to leave us a comment or you can email us at blackbox at pkdmedia.com. Thanks again for listening. Until then, dream big and hustle hard.